passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 2022, AEW, lay it out. What's it going to be like? What's it, is, this the, is this another year of just steady growth? Because you guys, the arrow's been pointed up since you started. I think uh, 2022 is, it really leans into what you mentioned earlier in terms of all those free agents yeah. and all the originals and all the pillars. I think you really are setting up for a year-long battle royal. So we see how they mix. Exactly. Yeah. A year-long, incredibly tumultuous yeah. battle royal of, oh, well, I came from WWE, and I never watched your product, but I'm super over. Or I've been here the whole time. Both are annoying. Yeah. Both opinions are entitled and annoying, but they make for great wrestling. Um, show of hands, who here fancies themselves as journalists? people who report things mostly that are bullshit and slanderous lies against myself i'm on my time and this is a fucking business i have every receipt i have every invoice i have every email and the fact that i have to sit up here because we have irresponsible people who call themselves evps and couldn't fucking manage a target and they spread lies and bullshit but what did i ever do in this world to go, to deserve an empty-headed fucking dumb fuck like Hangman Adam Page to go out on national television and fucking go into business for himself. I offered him money. I'm hurt and I'm old and I'm fucking tired I told and I work with fucking children. And if y'all are at fault, fuck you. If you're not, I apologize. Contrary to popular belief, I am a very nice guy. Thank you. I tried to get out here, Vince, before you came to the ring, but I didn't make it. The board is concerned about your extremely questionable, their term, their words, extremely questionable decisions as of late. Vince, the board has asked me to come here to tell you that they have filed an injunction against you with a vote of no confidence. And Vince, the family agrees. On top of that, Vince, the board has appointed someone to take over the day-to-day operations of the WWE. I can't even believe I'm gonna say this, but Vince, it's me. Vince, I am here to inform you that Vince, you are relieved of your duties. And welcome to the best and the worst of 2022 here at Post Wrestling. I am John Pollock, joined by... Our technical producer, Wei Ting, who is here live in the post office 
And we are backed up with a lethal dose of Poison Rana. Braden Harrington and Davey Portman, welcome back, folks. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, bravo. What a throw. It was another year in professional wrestling, and we have done the, the ultimate brand amalgamation as we have put together not just post-wrestling and Poison Rana, but the best and the worst all into one compact show. But it's going to be a big show as we cover all of 2022. No need to come back next week for the follow-up. We're going to get the good and the bad all out in the next couple of hours, going through all of the categories, and then likely or unlikely for 2023, as well as a look back at how we fared last year with our predictions. Some very notable um, uh, prognostications made one year ago. But gentlemen, Braden, Davey, welcome back and uh, live here and in living color. The Poison Rana crew themselves. This is great, yeah. First time in years we've done this, right? Wow, a reunion. Remember remember that first year we did it all together and we decided to do the best of and worst of show in the same day and broke it up with dinner and it was like six hours of recording. Hanging out with us? I think it then ended with me exploding Prosecco all over your walls. That's not a joke or anything. That's true. true. That was true. We had some Basil Hayden after our six hours of recording and I remember saying to myself as you left, I am never doing that again. That was way too much recording in one day. We will never make that mistake again. And this was our decision this year to put the show all together, which I feel is a, a... the, the better, more efficient way to do it. People are busy, and I think we can get everything out there. I, I way as always, look, there, there has been a lot of excess <laughs> topics in here that we can get down. What are the meat? What, what are the, the duck and the turkey of the <laughs> best and worst of show? The, the key ingredients that everyone's going for on the post-wrestling Poison Rana buffet table. It's how I feel. I mean, I, I you know, we, uh, first of all, our own schedules, of course. You know, we're, we're very busy. But I think I, I also feel kind of weird, like focusing so much on the worst of sometimes um i feel like i'm getting a bit of a conscience you know in my older days <laughs> but that said uh we still have plenty i think of vitriol to to shed without honestly. praise there is no criticism so you need both to exist and i think we should just get right into it we have a ton of topics here to get to and i will also refer to last year's picks as well, so you guys can remember what stood out in 2021 as well. So let us get into our topics. And the first category is Best Female Wrestler. And one year ago, the selections were Brayden, who I am sure will run into this problem yet again, who could not narrow his choices down to one, had a tie between Bianca Belair and Dr. Britt Baker, two people that had identical years and every single comparison, there was no tiebreaker. It was these two. Couldn't pick. The three professionals who understood the concept of the show (laughs) included Davey Portman, who chose Serena Deeb, Wei chose Shuri, and I had Utami Hayashita from Stardom. I still think I was right. (laughs) So let's start off with Brayden this year. Who was your female wrestler, singular, of... 2022. All right, so I have three Maybe picks. Yeah. <laughs> you can have your honorable mentions, but you get one pick. I will. Okay, honorable mention definitely going to Bianca Belair. Actually, she had a, a fantastic year yet again from from big pay per view matches. So she was great. However, I'm going with someone who also had a really good year and kind of in the later half of the year definitely picked up a lot of steam. And that is Jamie Hader over in AEW. Uh, the the whole year she was Britt Baker's lackey and getting over just really organically the classic batista to triple h or the wardlow to mjf she was jamie to bridge i mean she still kind of is but now 
by the end of the year, winning that title, having an awesome match. And in one of my favorite AEW matches, obviously we got to go there live, so we're a bit biased, but that match was awesome. And her winning the title, just getting over to her theme music, everything about Jamie Hayter this year, uh, I love. Music you can dance to. And she has seen this video, so she's a fan of our dancing to her theme music. If, if you look about ten rows up, there's a guy shaking his head. In <laughs> it was you, yes. And then literally realizing who it is. Her replying to me on Instagram with laughing emojis to the videos of us dancing has made my year. But yeah, she just she had an incredible year, and she continues to put on some really great matches. Whether it's teaming with Brit or now being the women's champ, she definitely. Uh, made this year one of my favorite characters to watch on TV. So 100% Jamie Hayter. So wrestlers on Instagram, you know that Braden can be compromised just by <laughs> replying with an emoji. Way, uh, in the in the famous words of uh, Gabe Sapolsky, uh, how's the stream? How's how's this dream? How's the oh, stream? How's the stream? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we're doing all this right. This felt like a nightmare for you beforehand, but yeah, now we're into you know, the dream it, sequence. It, it, something, something happens. Uh, maybe there's a reason why we haven't recorded here in like two years. But um, <laughs> there's a lot a lot of kinks to get through. But I think we're good right now, and I'm ready to give my pick. Um, this this person I, I did not get, get a chance to um, see live nor dance to uh, live in person, nonetheless. Um, I went with your honorable mention. Braden. I went with Bianca Belair this year for my female wrestler of the year. I think she's been incredibly consistent in every single time we've seen her on screen in matches. You know, if if anything, maybe I feel um, her caliber of opponents hasn't necessarily been um, so great this year on the WWE side of things, uh, Becky Lynch aside. Um, But, you know, for, for that reason, I feel like she probably could have even had a better year. But, um, her appearances on Raw, I feel, as the leader of the division, I think her promos have been very consistent. So um, she's the one who I feel, you know, to me has been the number one. And Davey, your pick for best female wrestler. Yeah, I was torn between those two as well. I ended up going for Bianca, um, mainly because of that consistency. I think she's she started to prove herself to be like a bit of a Miss WrestleMania, you know, like both her matches, you could argue which one's better between the... Becky Lynch or the Sasha Banks one, um, but yeah, I uh, the SummerSlam match as well was fun. Uh, she's it's very hard these days. It seems to just have like a a strong baby face who isn't goofy or made to look stupid or anything like that. And I think she's such a likable baby face, putting on consistently great matches. Has held this championship for the most of the year. Um, Jamie's had a great run as well, but it's it's kind of I feel we're still in it at the moment. Uh, whereas Bianca, if you're looking from January to December, I got to go with her. This was the hardest category for me to finalize, and I mainly looked at stardom this year because I thought they had a fantastic year. And my short list was uh, Julia, Saya Kamatani, and Shuri. And I I had to I had to consult with Karen Peterson. I consulted with W H Park, and I came down to Shuri, who held the the red belt all year long. And this included back-to-back main events against Julia and Mayu Iwatani uh, back at uh, Sumo Hall in March. And then, you know, big matches with uh, Momo Watanabe in July, Utami in November. You know, she is somebody that 
I think is not going to be necessarily the, the singular pillar of stardom, but for a year that they had so much business growth, she was on top for the entire year. And I think overall, there's just so much talent on the stardom roster and they're poised to have an even bigger year potentially in 2023. And I kind of put yeah, the, the in ring along with the, the business uptick for stardom is kind of my uh, criteria for this one. So I went with Shuri, who was Way's pick last year. Next, we move on to best tag team of the year. Last year, we had myself, Davey, and Brayden choosing the Young Bucks, and Way chose FTR. So, Way, why don't you kick things off? Best tag team of the year. Uh, FTR are two for two for me this year. I mean, this year may be um, less controversial than it was last year. I mean, I feel like I, I personally enjoyed them the most um, uh, of any tag team last year, but this year is where I feel like um, the public really kind of got to see them in the spotlight, in particular, you know, Dax Harwood uh, embarking in, in a wildly successful singles run to the point where, like, his singles matches became attractions. But that's not even speaking, of course, about FTR's incredible year, um, you know, in multiple promotions, holding multiple championships and having incredible matches uh, with so many different teams. And, of course, we'll probably be talking a bit more about the their feud with the Briscoes as well. But I, I for me, it was between them and the Usos, but I feel like... FTR um, for, you know, more of the in-ring aspect, uh, they earned my top tag team of the year. They were my pick as well this year for a lot of the reasons that Way mentioned. It's it's one that I, I certainly think, like, this choice gets elevated to from Dax's singles run that you can't necessarily incorporate into this, but I don't think you need to to still look at FTR's year, and it goes beyond the Briscoes. Like, they had that... When you look at that Briscoes match at Supercard, and then... A couple days later, the Young Bucks match that was in Boston, I believe, like that was a, fin- a fantastic match. They had the Aussie Open match as well. You know, they did ho- they did hold the AAA and IWGP tag titles, but not as much of a presence in those. The Ranas? What were they called? Year. The Super Ranas. <laughs> Gotta <laughs> shout out that. There you go. So FTR was my pick for this year. And as well, like an underrated part is just the fact that they were tremendous on the mic this year, in particular Dax. And that was evident from the post-press conference at Supercard, where they were just like the most likable individuals. We were at the show in Buffalo, where Dax does the closing address to send the audience home after Rampage. Like they Fight like a little girl. Fight like yeah, a girl. Like One a of girl. the best promos of the entire year. So, I mean, there, there was that aspect to it as well. Where did you go, Davey, with best tag team? Yeah, this was the easiest one on the whole list. It's FTR absolutely hands down. Uh, So much so that we've kind of had to make a decision. We're putting together our top 10 matches of the year. And we've had to say, we've got to pick one out of a feud. Because otherwise this whole list is going to be like five, six FTR matches. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you include the three Briscoes, the Aussie Open match, the Young Bucks. Like there's so many great matches this year. And remember, they they had the singles match in the Owen tournament as well. Yeah, against each other. Right. Oh, that was awesome. But what's also been awesome this year is we've watched this team as a heel for years. Right since they first formed in NXT in, what, 2014, 2013. And... So much so that you can never imagine these guys as a babyface. And then it just worked. Um, at the Rochester show I went to, they did the the closing address, like the dark segment as well. And Cash Wheeler just like running through the crowd, like everyone like doing stage dives and everything. They just feel like the hottest act. And it's it's been completely bizarre to me. They're, they're booking an AEW this year because... Um, this was like lightning in a bottle with this team. And I don't think they quite captured completely what they should have but 
in-ring work, promos, everything, they easily hands down tag team of the year. Yeah, clean sweep. Uh, like, they, they ran wrestling when it came to tag team wrestling this year, whether they wrestled in AAA or, like, uh, wrestling in uh, New Japan and eventually going to be wrestling, like, the Tokyo Dome. That's just crazy. Like, them winning all those titles is so cool to see them do it. But I would say that the downside, I agree with Davey, is how they were kind of not used pro- properly, I'd say, in the like later half of the year. But they had just great TV matches with different tag teams. And no matter the tag team, they managed to do that. And then even I, I going into the dog collar match with the Briscoes, I was like, all right, I've seen these teams now face a bunch. What else could they do? And then they absolutely like kill each other out there. So they were no, they, again, easiest pick to do on this list was like right away FTR. No, no other team came close. I, I, I like to give props to the Usos. Of course, it's not very Usi not picking them, but the the match quality of FTR were just like oh so good and and as a just a fan of why we love this stuff is like when they're announced when you see an FTR match announced I get excited I'm like so I can't wait it'll instantly make me excited for the event that's happening so that that goes a long way the Usos have been incredibly entertaining um, but I, I think they've been very limited by the WWE style and also just like. Mm. Maybe that roster Opponents? as well. Who yeah. are they supposed to face other than the New Day? Like, exactly. that's it. So. FTR have, like, the the most incredible tag team roster to work with in AEW plus beyond that. Yeah. But, you know, the topic of their booking AEW is kind of an interesting one because, like, who who knows what would have happened if if the Bucks, you know, st- stayed. Um, like, were, were there ever a- any actual concrete plans to have that match put together and for FTR to eventually win the championship? I almost feel like yeah. um, if Kenny's injury went a bit longer, I don't think they'd have done the switch from the Young Bucks to Jurassic Express. Because mm. I feel that was a way, oh, we're going to get this trios tournament started now. So let's let's get the titles off the Bucks because they're going to be doing that with Kenny. Whereas I think if they, if Kenny didn't come back so soon or came back into like a singles role and they weren't doing this trios thing, I definitely think you'd have got Bucks FTR 3 with FTR completing the set. That that seems to make more sense you, than you what also, they ended up doing. You also probably would have had a very heavy component of the Hardys in the tag scene this year mm, if, if Jeff's issues hadn't, hadn't have happened. Yeah, like you, that was that was going to be a big part of their year was the Hardys back together. You also had the acclaimed catch fire mm. to an extent that I don't think we, anybody No one predicted. saw coming, so, yeah. yeah. And, and Tony decided to run with it, and maybe that was the right choice. Well, mm. we were saying, like, we thought the all-out main event would be FTR Bucks. Like, main yeah, event. Two out of three falls titles. or something, yeah. yeah. Which will happen again one day and will be amazing. We will all rejoice, as they but say. But onto the Usos. We need DIY to reform and get that Usos match. Yeah. That, that'll that bring the quality. We're waiting. He's got to be done yeah. with some, uh, you know, <laughs> money um, yeah, the, Unfortunately, the D is going to stand for Dexter in <laughs> yeah, that, that team. Um, a, a question for the future, and we'll have to go to our arbitrator of topics, is, you know, as, as the plethora of trios uh, continue in all companies, um, with the exception of WWE that doesn't have a division, like, I can make a strong case for, the, despite the division only being alive for a few months like the elites and death triangle like the matches that they had this year were phenomenal mm-hmm. and do you put them into the best tag team category or get True. their own for the for a future year True. like we'll, we'll like, have to have in the box like and uh osprey and aussie open um mm-hmm. like they had some unbelievable matches but the fact that they happen on television uh, at such a fast clip you sometimes forget about these Schism. unbelievable matches we get on a weekly basis yeah. yeah, couldn't forget the trios of, of course, guys. But yeah, it, next year we might have to have a trios category. Yeah. Next up is best male wrestler. Last year, Braden, Davey, and Wei chose Brian Danielson, and I went with Shingo Takagi. So kick things off, Davey, with the best Ooh. male wrestler of 2022. 
This one is is really hard for me because I think, do you go like purely kind of in ring stuff or? But we all know it's wrestling, it's performative, and there's more to it than that with promos and things. Because I would say MJF, you could argue being one of the best wrestlers of the year. The, the amount of matches he's done, it's not up there with like a Osprey or a Mox. But being perceived as like a classic old school wrestler where he comes out and talks and that's money and makes you like you know essentially pay for his matches they're on pay-per-view he's very limited i i think there's a strong argument for mjf oh but i think the amount of like top top singles matches this year uh, i gotta go with osprey MJF had nine matches. Yeah, this year. like that's nine, that's the thing. It's like, nine, and, and that includes a forty-seven second DQ match with Sean Dean. <laughs> um, you no, know, it's just amazing. It's like, and I'm not against that. It also had that big period he was gone, but it does put into context. Like they do book him like an attraction mm. um, in in the sense of trying to make it a larger deal when his, he does wrestle. His speaking is enough of a satisfying TV absolutely segment that he which need which to. kind of made me kind of think to go. We've got best character coming up as well but it i thought well when you think of a wrestler when you think of the great wrestlers of the years it's it's not when you're wrestling five matches a year a week on raw and that kind of thing it's the special attractions that that's how like the golden age i think of these great wrestlers and mjf has captured that without being you know brock lesnar or roman reigns he's just he made more waves Talk, with people talking about him not getting on a flight than other wrestlers who are working week by week mm. on every show. Like, people were just talking about him more than a lot of other... This is way before, you know, the brawl out stuff. So, I remember MJF not getting on a plane. That was a whole thing that people were just going nuts over, and he didn't even have to do anything. Whereas, he didn't even do anything. I'd say an Osprey is like the opposite, where it's, oh, Osprey's wrestling a match. I'll watch it. Is he bad guy? Is he good guy? What's the story? I don't really care. It's an Osprey match. Yeah. And which is a negative as well, but... Fuck it, I'll say MJF. <laughs> we just wanted an answer, baby. Okay. See, I, I, I was going through the same thing. I think I see MJF as that way. He is totally that old package. But someone this year that had just the weirdest year was John Moxley, yeah. where it's like he the guy just wanted to go fishing, man, and he just kept having matches and kept being the, he was the champ and then he released to this guy. He bleed <laughs> he lost so much blood that like we gotta give him his flowers, but uh, I, I I think I, you know what I'll go with John Moxley. I was gonna go with MJF. Did you make a list before today? Yeah, <laughs> you look at him. He was deciding. Uh, I I go with John Moxley because uh, you know uh, he's uh, he's someone that uh, he's not the best in the ring, and he and he, he is he is though. But like he's not one of the he is one of the best talkers. And when he like sets up a match, he went through the the whole feud with Danielson, which I really liked, and then he had the whole combat club stuff and i just thought everything that he did this year was good especially with all the like bs of the the all-out fallout stuff and and beyond he was just he's the guy who just still shows up and uh, i i respect that as and, and he's still a good character to watch he's just a badass so i go with john moxley how about you way i also went with john moxley um i thought from beginning to end like his year really has been i mean he's already released a book but i think he could release a whole second you know uh volume just off of this year alone from the comeback that he had from the very inspirational promo he delivered um admitting and becoming i think you know a real role model for people going through similar issues on a national stage 
Um, and then proceeding to, you know, have great feuds and great matches with people like Danielson, people like Wheeler Yuta, forming a team with, with both those guys in the in a Blackpool Comic Club. I think really it reinvigorating the style of tag team wrestling, just as those two, you know, Danielson and, and, and Moxley together, um, continuing to defend the GCW championship throughout the entire year, including a doubleheader on WrestleMania weekend, having a great match with Biff Busick and then a death match with, J- with AJ Gray right afterwards. Uh, wrestling for New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, co- companies like Defy and NEW. While this whole, while this guy, like, he really doesn't have to do any of this. And I imagine the paydays for some of these smaller promotions are probably not, you know, what a guy like he should be necessarily commanding. Or, like, he could probably make boy more, is what I'm trying to say. The guy does it because he simply loves to wrestle and he loves to wrestle various styles, in, no matter how big the, the venue is. Um, Beyond all of that, being the the rock of this company at a time when you had so much kind of you know um, weirdness going on between Punk and and, and being and, and the elite and and and, and, and everybody else. Um, from what we can tell, like behind the scenes and also in front of the scenes, the, the man's kind of played like a very very pivotal role in. Um, I, I think he, he was the one together. to give the state of the company address on that Buffalo show right after. All in. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, holding the championship and carrying the company all the way into the MJF era as well. I, I just think he, I think the world of him, you know, as a professional wrestler and, and you know, as a leader in, in the locker room. Moxley is a, a fantastic pick, uh, but I did go with Will Ospreay because I, I thought this was one of the great in-ring years for any performer. When you, it, it is, I, I can see like certain points that some of it does become a blur. But when we look back at, the matches with Okada at Wrestle Kingdom and then the G1 final. Like, that G1 final was so great that I think it totally overshadowed the night before uh, his match with Naito that I think is maybe the most underappreciated match this year because I thought the Naito match was just as good as Okada. He had that incredible match with Michael Oku, which led to Michael Oku doing the post-wrestling car wash that week, appearing on every show on our network. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., Nick Wayne, Orange Cassidy at Forbidden Door, the Shingo Takagi rematch in the G1, uh, teaming with Aussie Open against the Elite, then Death Triangle the very next week, uh, matches with Umino, Naito, and Ishii to close out the year. Just an unbelievable year. And I think to his credit as well, like you could see the influences for this heel character that I felt were all over the place in 2021. I thought he really found his voice and his character this year. And part of that was leading the United Empire. But I think you know, truly, and playing a babyface role at points this year as well. To me, he really did stand up as kind of your franchise guy in New Japan at a time that New Japan has very much struggled coming out of the pandemic. So I just thought like the the resume for 2022 was just too strong uh, for for Will Ospreay this year. An incredible incredible year. Uh, but that MJF Sean Dean match, <laughs> you can't, you can't condemn best forty-seven second match of the year. Um, honorable mention, though, I did put Moxley down here. Speedball Mike Bailey, who just yeah. I don't think has the platform that mm. um, is going to get as many eyeball eyeballs on Speedball. Um, Indie as, wrestler of the year. Yeah, speedball. I think you could also throw like uh, Jericho's name in the mix. Like, yes. quite a year. Yes, I think this is. Th- I have him down on my list because like he was a man of TV here. Like every week, I felt like he was putting on amazing matches. He was like yeah. his matches with Ishii just recently in the last few months. His matches with Danielson. 
Uh, yeah, there's the, a lot. The man is also very, very savvy to do a whole podcast on his own year and all the matches he had. Like, <laughs> dude, he's very smart because when you hear it, like, it's, it's, yeah, he had an unbelievable year when you go through the Kingston feud. Anyway, Jericho may come up later. Um, best feud is our next category. This will be an interesting one. I guess this can be behind the scenes or in front of the scenes uh, for the past year. <laughs> Last year's best feuds, uh, the three of you all chose Kenny Omega against Hangman Page. I went with Utami, Hayashita, and Shuri and uh, their matches in stardom last year. So let's kick things off with uh, me. So we'll choose best feud. Um, I am going with FTR and the Briscoes and their three-match series uh, across the three. Ring of Honor pay-per-views. I mean, um, wh- whatever um, rating system you're going to go through, these were all, to me, match of the year contenders. And to me, they when you, when you look at Ring of Honor and what was the shining light of this brand in 2022, to me, it was this program and... And keeping the Briscoes relevant at a time when they could not appear on television and they just killed it in these in these three matches that made these pay-per-views feel important. I mean, Ring of Honor is certainly not a brand at the level of AEW, but this was the program that, that carried it. Um, with my honorable mention to uh, Punk and MJF as well that I, w- I would put in there. Um, Brayton, your best yeah, few. Yeah, that's where I went, John. I went with MJF and CM Punk. Uh, when CM Punk came into AEW, it was it was super cool, and everyone couldn't wait to see him work with some people. And instantly, we wanted to get to that feud. And when they gave it to us, it was like it was hitting on all cylinders. It was MJF like psyching out Punk in ways we've never really seen in wrestling. Where it's like, wait, is he is he getting sympathy? And you know, the whole "don't quit," you you quit on me, and and all this stuff like. Man, I got so sucked into that feud that I I just made me be happy. This is why I love watching this stuff and all the callbacks to ROH. Yeah, there were well. so many cool things. Like, and then you go to the the match in Chicago, which I we rewatched both of them this week. I'm like, but that and the dog collar match were just so good and like great storytelling. Mixed and it did with... gr- like that, and you know, you had Paige and Cole at the Revolution show, but that right. that show did great. And I think you would look at Punk and MJF as like the mm-hmm. main event of that. show. That was definitely the match of that night. Yeah. For sure. And that that whole feud with him trying to psych him out and just, I don't know, everything just felt the way it, it feels. It felt really magical that almost a definite passing of the torch. And you could totally see it not ending the way we all thought it was for obviously different reasons. But I think the way it was going was MJF taking the title from CM Punk, obviously, but it didn't end up that way. But like still with what they did in those months was just really good TV. Uh, MJF is just phenomenal. Let's go with Way. I also went Punk and MJF. Uh, for I mean, it's almost tough because like so much has happened since then <laughs> for all everybody, uh, the entire wrestling world, and, and even in particular those two guys. That it almost feels like um, the highs of that particular feud are, are a bit more of a distant memory. But I'm just thinking back to like a pure professional wrestling feud that I absolutely loved throughout the year. I thought Briscoes and and FTR obviously I think we'll remember that that trilogy incredibly well for the in-ring content but but without television to really build the story I I didn't feel as strong about it for this particular category whereas I think Punk and MJF were all was all story excellent storytelling and uh, if you want a recap of it I mean watch Brian Mann's uh, Better Than You video series on YouTube that just does such a great job of I think just telling you exactly what, the amount of thought that was put into every single one of these little promos and the fantastic matches that the two of them had as well so that was my feed and Davey? Yeah MJF CM Punk um, in particular that promo from MJF where he was talking about you know 
being bullied at school and it was going to be the day of like the football tryouts and they're like you're Jewish you can't play with us and all that and the one thing that got him through the day was knowing he was going to see CM Punk his hero that night and then having Punk quit on him it was and you have Punk coming out off mic going is this real is is, is this real and he's like yeah it's real and even though he the next week comes to attack him it was still real this wasn't just cheap wrestling heel tactics where I'm lying to you. You got MJF's actual origin story. I am the way I am because of you, because of you leaving wrestling and turning your back on me, the fan. And I think that was just made this feud just so magical. Both of them, like every week when they'd have a promo battle, it was like a match. You knew both. You didn't know what both were going to say. You didn't know where it was going to go, but it made you more and more excited. That Chicago match where MJF beats Punk twice was great. The dog collar match, including like the entrances with, with Punk in his like Ring of Honor gear and all that. AFI. AFI. Um, this still, obviously the perfect story is MJF comes back, wins that ladder match, goes on, challenges Punk, beats him this time, and he is the guy. That's how you wrap up this story. But even without the proper ending, this is feud of the year. All right, let's go to worst feud of the year. Last year, Way and I chose The Fiend and Alexa Bliss against Randy Orton. Davey chose Matt Hardy versus Hangman Page. And Brayden selected Matt Hardy versus anyone. <laughs> oh, God. So our worst feud of this year... Start us off, Brady. Uh This was an easy one to pick. <laughs> if you listen to Up Next every week, this year, was two, NXT 2.0, what a doozy of a year. Like, things are on track now, but like if you were there in the trenches early on, you would have witnessed this feud that uh, I'm happy the guy's doing better now, but Joe Gacy versus Braun Breaker. This feud oh, yeah, was, was absolutely dog shit. I say dog because uh, the the dog-faced gremlin was kidnapped in this feud. Uh, Joe Gacy, whose character was originally the woke guy, uh, turned into the Undertaker. He had druids. He had people kidnapping. He had Harlan. Remember that guy? Now he's a mogul in yeah. AEW. Uh, he, this, he pushed Braun off a perch. He, put, he, murdered, he attempted murder on Braun. Yeah, there was just so much. Week by week, it made me hate NXT and like I said, Joe Gacy and Braun are doing way better now, and I'm, I, I think I still see a lot in both of them. But this was so bad; it made me so angry, so much groaning watching TV every week. They they would just upsell, like they would make it worse with with spooky bullshit that I just could not stand. And then when the big payoff at In Your House, I think was the show, wasn't even that great of a match. So just absolutely hated it and it made me mad i'm sure there was like minier feuds and different shows that also i didn't like but this one's came to my mind right away so yeah joe gacy braun breaker worst for you of the year for me what's the saying four roots one tree <laughs> yeah now they have that's us <laughs> well davy worst feud of the year i i gotta say that one too uh but I am because it was fucking awful. It was so hard. That's you weren't I, there. I, I was watching. That was back when I was in the UK. I was watching that shit at three in the morning and then having to talk about it. It was fucking brutal. <laughs> but I've got to go. AFO H A H F O L F I A F I the firm. I think they're the same people. I don't know Matt Hardy. All of Versus that. Everyone. It's been going on for forever. L-M-A-O. I don't care. Like. Well, it's 
It's just it's on it's on every week, every week for for forever. Yeah, and like there, there's never any explanation to where Andrade's gone. Who who owns who owns this family office now? Um, and then Matt Hardy has seemed to have gone from feuding to them to feuding with the firm. I think, but it's the same fucking. <laughs> Faction, just the big advancement on elevation. No last bodies. week, he pulled out the old broken uh, robe on uh, on oh, elevation. God. Did everyone catch that? It's just no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it. It takes up so much TV time, and whenever we talk about something like this, I always say like, "Where's Miro? You know, where, where are these other people? These like great people you have under contract, and you're just farting around with family offices and contracts." Yes. So uh, what, what is the exact feud? At Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy versus, versus everyone? Versus <laughs> no, it's the office. Anything it's, office. It's the office. It's it's the the just yeah the the growth of this office. <laughs> Way your worst feud. I I thought I'd be the only one, but thank you, Davey, oh. for <laughs> giving me some credibility Maybe you can here. Define it better. Yeah, than yeah, me. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I really cannot. I really cannot. I mean, I tried to list exactly what I want to even uh, deem it, but uh, best I came up with it was Matt Hardy versus Hardy Family Office slash Andrade Family uh, Hardy Family Office. Like it's, I don't know. I don't Hardy even know party in there. I don't know if it still exists anymore. I I don't really get the sense it does, but it's it's just more so the kind of long lingering feeling every time this year i watched aew and a contract showed up for whatever reason um i've I've had enough of contracts in professional wrestling and to me it's like this to me is like almost a prime example of like maybe wrestlers in aew being given a bit too much leeway to come up with their own stories where it just felt very clear to me that there was no real clear direction about where they were going and granted a lot of things happen in particular with matt hardy and his brother um Mm -hmm. who knows what what that should have been (laughs) what things that happened with andrade but even beyond that i just think the the idea and the structure and the framework of basing so much around contracts and now Matt Hardy apparently um I think he's under yeah he's his contract was bought by the firm it's more convoluted than I think you know a, a Kane backstory um so there's never been a payoff to any single story in this story yeah so like that's how it's so how do you even define well, this feud Matt Hardy is subject to the payoffs from the, uh, the yeah, there you go family office but at, whatever at, at some point you just like you just f- figure it hasn't been working. Let's stop doing the stories about contracts, mm. you know. And and if we're gonna get him into the, the broken character, just like just just get there. So anyway, <laughs> you say that now. Wait wait until he's back. Well, I, another honorable mention is uh, uh, Jade and Nyla Rose. I did not like that feud either. So got to point that out. <laughs> okay, well, I had some fresh feuds, and they come from WWE. I thought this was going to be the runaway winner, and that was going to be Bobby Lashley and Omos. But you know what? <laughs> you, you don't you don't ever you know clinch an award midway through the year because in August, which for those with a calendar handy, that was four months ago that Dexter Loomis returned to WWE, and his feud with The Miz proceeded to last all of the next. 16 weeks on television, culminating in a ladder match for all of the Miz's money. And during this time, we had kidnappings, we had uh, break-ins, we had Miz and Maurice leaving their home unattended while the camera uh, focused on Dexter Loomis breaking into the home, hockey attacks. 
I hated all of this, and that was my worst feud of the year. The Miz and Dexter Loomis that took up so much time. And by the end of it, the end result was a flat character in Dexter Loomis, a flatter character in Johnny Gargano, who returned on that Toronto Raw like a superstar and is a footnote on Mondays at this point. And he's not like none of the wrestling. It's just been attached to this angle that has so made Johnny Gargano feel like the lowest of his WWE slash NXT tenure. And he came back. He couldn't have come back, I think, better. Like that was incredible that that crowd reacted Braden lost his mind at the concession stand when he heard the music. Davey's, Davey's taking a pee, and I'm like, why is Rebel, Rebel Hearts... But Damn it! <laughs> yes. And through all of this, someone sat down and said, you know what the problem is? We need to remix Rebel Heart. That's the problem. We need to change that song. That's the problem. So my worst feud is The Miz against Dexter Loomis. Can I, can I jump in there that that remix, like, I'm sure in a year I'll be like, all right, fine. But it's like they took the same song, got a different singer, they changed the beat, they used like some, some MIDI cell phone guitar sounds, and then they just throw in classic wrestling things. So the lyrics are like, this Rebel Heart, this Rebel Heart, bet on yourself. Do the work. It's like, wait a second. Well, you know, when you're doing karaoke, you got to ad lib, you know, here and there. To, yeah, to they should have got worse. downstate to cover it if they were going to go that route. But uh, I will throw in another one. I was crapping on Joe Gacy, but the Joe Gacy and the Schism, great entrance theme. Best entrance theme of 2022. Best non wrestling media. So this can be a documentary, this can be a book, this can be a podcast. It's. Anything outside of the ring within the uh, the pro wrestling realm. Uh, last year, Brayden, you chose the Dark Side of the Ring episode on Collision in Korea. Wei chose Season 3 of Dark Side of the Ring. I picked the John Moxley book. And Davey's pick was Brian Mann's recap of the Kenny Omega Hangman Page program. So, Davey, what was your best non-wrestling media of the year? I'm... Uh... I feel like I didn't watch as many this year. I didn't watch the A&E stuff. There was no dark side. Um, I did catch the Teddy Hart doc. But the thing I consistently watch is the... And you guys actually just did a rewind away about it. The Stone Cold Sessions. Um, this I love throwing on when kind of cooking or whatever and having on in the background. I think Stone Cold is such a good interviewer. Um, some people we had this year was Charlotte Flair, Cody Rhodes, Jeff Jarrett, Sami Zayn, Becky Lynch. Uh, all were like really fascinating interviews. And especially with Cody having just come from AEW, I think that was one everyone was like, oh, we're going we're gonna to hear from Cody. And Stone Cold tends to ask the questions. He doesn't kind of pussyfoot around stuff or anything. Um, same with Jarrett. Jarrett just... What a year he's had, but like, <laughs> coming into WWE for that short window and having starting with there. Effie and ending with uh, yeah Triple J. Um, I he's someone I'll, I'll always throw on his stuff uh, and yeah put put out a lot more. When I look back, I was like, wow, he did have quite a lot come out this year, and it seems to be one of the only network things they continue with, like the twenty yeah. fours and the three sixty fives. They don't yeah. really do as much anymore since going to Peacock. It's cheap to produce, yeah, and it's good content, mm. yeah. Uh, I, I had a few here. Uh, an honorable mention to um, the Titan Gate series that the uh, Between the Sheets team of uh, David Bixenspan and Chris Zellner did. I think if you want to truly understand the uh, the whole Ring Boy scandal of the early 90s, they did such a thorough job of going through that whole period, which to me is is the the darkest period of WWE's history, that and one that probably um, everyone could serve to learn more about. Um, but I went, I went the book direction. There, there were quite a few good ones this year. Brian Gewertz was a very funny book about you know somebody that was just in that 
that creative room for as many years as he was. And it was a really well-written book. Um, there was the Dynamite and Davy book by Stephen Bell. Uh, but my choice was A Blood and Fire by Brian Solomon on Ed Farhat, the Sheik. Just tremendously well-researched book covering his entire life and a very difficult figure to learn the true facts about because he was so protected. But it covers his rise, um, becoming the iconic figure of Detroit with big-time wrestling, his enormous influence in Japan, and the fall as well. Like, Detroit has a really sad fall, and uh, Ed Farhat does as well. So, it's, you know, it covers the good and the bad, and it was just such a well-done book. So, uh, I would recommend all three of those. They were all really great books this year. Way, your best non-wrestling media. Yeah, I mean, this one, obviously, is the category that I feel like is most up to interpretation of, of a lot of ours. And so, when I think of non-wrestling media, I think of anything that is not within the confines of a professional wrestling TV program. For me, that year, I was certainly most engaged with something that um, I guess starts off on TV, but ultimately exists outside. And that was the Bray Wyatt White Rabbit video teasers. Um, I found them incredibly novel um, for you know a company that I think typically um, is on the more conservative, conservative and, and predictable side when it comes to I think promotion and and, and online promotion in particular. Um, starting off with you know little QR codes, but then like going so deep as to you know requiring its audience to look up source code or you know calling phone numbers um, through random numbers. Um, it was just incredibly fun, incredibly engaging, and you know paid off in in a great way with LA uh, Knight. <laughs> exactly, yes, uh, all, all all that it's led up to. Um, paid off, I would say, with a great return from Bray Wyatt and, mm-hmm. and some very good numbers on TV. But um, you know. Um, I think we'll we'll see. The jury's still out on, on whether or not the whole thing was a success. Braden? Uh, I've got to give the shout-out to Stone Cold, especially when Undertaker and Stone Cold were drinking wine and talking about the legs and the bouquet. I watched that clip way too often. But I'm going with this, another specific episode of something I really loved, which was Tales of the Territories, uh, specifically the Andy Kaufman, like Jerry Lawler mm-hmm. episode, because... I mean, you know, wrestling fans who were, you know, into that era and all about that stuff, I felt like this finally revealed some things and like some, you know, quote unquote truths about like certain things that, you know, how things went down and the thing about the ambulance and Kaufman like laying there and being like, oh, or I'll, I'll pay for it and all that stuff. It was just so cool. And I'm not the biggest Jerry Lawler fan, but he seemed genuine to like kind of let things go and, and discuss things and and. He mentioned Andy Kaufman's parents like thought they like they hated him, and then it was like no, we were actually like friends and working on this together. And I thought like different things like that coming together with the certain people they interviewed with Memphis Wrestling and stuff. I just I I really loved that episode. And then I went and watched Man on the Moon, Jim Carrey. It just put me in like a great mood and started watching Taxi and all that stuff. But I really loved that episode. All right, our next category is. Most improved. Last year, our improvements were given to Daniel Garcia by myself. Wei chose Miro. Davey, you had Josh Alexander. And Braden had Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. So I will kick things off. And so I'm looking at this not so much as career advancement, but I'm just looking this year versus last year. And that's where I'm putting Chris Jericho as most improved this (laughs) year. Because I think, listen, Jericho was at a level. And... 
by the end of last year, I mean, he had that, you know, he was hospitalized right around Christmas time in December overseas in the UK. And what he took from that was getting himself into incredible shape and he needed to be on blood thinners for a while. And then he comes out and he has the programs with Kingston. He has the the matches throughout the year with your Danielsons, your Moxleys, with Tomohiro Ishii a few weeks ago. That was one of the best Dynamite matches of the year. He had all of these matches that, to me, greatly exceeded the expectation going in. Even that four-way at full gear that everyone was buzzing about afterwards. Like, for a guy at his age, and I think also somebody that, um, you know, a, a, a figure that is polarizing to many out there, but... You know, he was somebody that was a rally the troops guy along with Danielson and Moxley after all in. And I think we can see a company that has all this angst backstage that how valuable some of those individuals are that can help steer the ship. And they had a lot of negativity coming out of all in and they they kept things moving and seem to be on a, on a much better path now. But I just thought this was a terrific year for Chris Jericho uh, in the ring. And that was when you go through and the ROH challenges, like just um, all of those different varied matches that he had. Um, How many gimmicks did he have this year? The Wizard, he was throwing fire. The Influencer. The Influencer, the Ocho, GFY didn't last too long. That's okay. Yeah, GFY did not. uh, He's still, he's so like good at reinventing himself and this year like maybe possibly his best year ever like just the match quality and still managing to do he's the what he's the unicorn on the mass singer he's like he's he's just everywhere this year so i i really enjoyed chris jericho's run i he's my goat like he's he's just keeps proving himself uh i i i'll jump in and say i picked uh a tag team for my most improved again, and that's going with the acclaimed. Yep. Uh, because they had a hell of a year with their catchphrases getting super over and the crowds going nuts. Like a year or two ago, you know, if you looked on the internet wrestling community, they were very like, ah, these guys, like, you know, the rap gimmick, it can only go so far. You could you could say that, but they definitely picked up in like the wrestling and getting, you know, everything so over. Like Seeing those crowds chant that is the, the the first time. I'm not alone on this. The first time you heard this man, one of these men say, scissor me daddy ass. I knew like th- right away. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard on a wrestling show. I can't wait to see that on a t-shirt. When are they going to have the foam fingers? They brought those up pretty quick. Like they move real quick on the story. I just love. They were very savvy. Yeah, like they didn't wait for it. And Billy Gunn was just this weird ingredient (laughs) that worked. Why does it work so well? It just, it just. And they figured that out after doing the turn on them and all that switching back and forth. But they got to like they're just (laughs) like Billy Gunn is as much a part of that act. Yeah, absolutely. Like he just adds something to those three. And they were. I love how character wise Billy Gunn is just like. You know, I I just prefer these guys to my own kids. They're they're better. They're more fun. They scissor. It's great. Yeah, it's just so funny. We we went to a bunch of dynamites. We went to the Buffalo in Detroit and stuff. We went on one. I think it was the Buffalo show. We we took or no, it was probably Toronto where the acclaim come out. And I took my girlfriend to the show, and she's like, not, doesn't know what's really going on in wrestling. But then she's looking around and seeing everyone, like including myself, wearing a "Scissor Me Daddy" T-shirt. People, grown men chanting in unison, "Scissor Me Daddy." She's like. I'm not sure what's going on, but it's, I get it. Like, it's, sure, cool, all right, interesting. And it's so funny seeing people, like, do this gimmick. But when it comes to the wrestling, I thought they were, like, so much improved, especially towards the end of the year, winning the tag titles. They just, they've been on a great run, and I, I'm, I'm happy to see it. So keep going forward, the acclaimed. Davey. 
Yeah, yeah, the acclaimed as well. Uh, Braden said most of it, but yeah, to think these guys were kind of, you know, doing AEW dark a lot of the time, and you thought there was a ceiling to this gimmick. How they've just naturally got over, but in ring as well, they've they've improved so much. Those matches against um, Swerve and Our Glory, the match against FTR, I absolutely loved. Um, I think everyone's talking about, you know, MJF twenty twenty four. I see this as an act that's once their contract's coming up, there's going to be interest. I think they're going to have a lot of leverage um, moving forward because I could totally see this act in WWE. With Billy Gunn or with him? <laughs> with Billy Gunn. Billy could always go home, yeah. Um, but I, I totally see down the line like having a segment with Cena at a Mania or something like that. Um, I think these guys seem the, like the reclaimed guys to me. Yeah. The reclaimed. The reclaimed. Oh my god! Stop, John! Don't give them. But no, I, I think they've completely raised their stock and are just still like whenever they come out, it's whatever they're doing. It's just so much fun. You always want to see what they're gonna say in the rap battles. I feel like their rap raps have taken a backseat in the since winning the titles, which is okay. They've but got like more than that now. Yeah, they're yeah. they're a lot more. Like I I think it's harder to be the the good guy cutting down your opponent so badly, so it works yeah. the opposite way. Eventual heel run will be a good as well, but like it's the most over Billy Gunn has ever been, <laughs> and he was in DX in the Attitude Era. But this is the most over he's ever been, like himself. So yeah, 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 it's great. And Anthony Bowens, I think, on the microphone, he's he's really taken a huge step yeah. up yeah. as well. So they are also my pick for uh, most improved for all the reasons that you have stated. I want to give some honorable mentions to uh, Wheeler Yuta, who I think has had uh, taken a huge step up this year. You know. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, like, well, I think when we're talking about most improved, we the talent's just always been there for a lot of them. It just might be about, like, getting the spotlight, and that might be more the case for Wheeler Yuta. But I do think he's been put in some high-pressure situations to, this year. You know, obviously having matches with, with Mox or, or, like, a Danielson and showing tremendous babyface fire, going through the best of the Super Juniors tournament, having a promo battle with MJF, and it was... It was near a 10-8 round, but nonetheless, the man survived and, and, and you know, came out of it, I think, you know, probably uh, with uh, yeah, at least a slightly higher value than, than he than he went into. So I, I would at least give him an honorable mention, but I also went with the acclaim. Yeah, I, I'd throw in uh, Swerve Strickland as well. I mm-hmm. think he really stepped up in a big way this year, benefited greatly from that, pro- like with, with Keith Lee and against the acclaimed. Um, you know, I, this guy is not most improved, but I will give an honorable mention to the guy known as Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> wow, that Christmas day Amazing. segment was incredible. Amazing. Yes, yeah, up there for uh, best oh, non wrestling media. So for me. good. Okay, this is a new one. Biggest setback. Okay, so this is uh, the way this breaks down is someone that is either the least improved or someone whose stock fell significantly that had a bad year in 2022. So to kick things off, it is waiting with the biggest setback of the year. Yeah, this one's kind of tough for me, um, too, because, um, Again, it, it it's a little subjective in that, like, how do you weigh somebody's stock um, beforehand? And, 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 like, do you count it as somebody who really kind of had nothing to begin with and then they end the year without much? Um, do they qualify or do you do you look at it with somebody who's at the very top and ends the year, you know, with without that much? I think I meant w- went more with, with, um, with the latter. And for that reason, I'm going with CM Punk. For my biggest setback here, um, it is amazing how 
over the course of one evening from the closing scene of AEW All Out. He's in his hometown holding the AEW championship belt, closing the, the, the story. Um, walking all the way into that press conference, he's so happy with the with this championship, his box of donuts. Muffins uh, way. Muffins. Or sorry, muffins. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> sorry. Shout out Mindy's muffins. You know, like the press room is like clapping for him. And then in an instant, you know, the man launches into um, what – came across, at least, you know, to the media at the time, as an unprompted, unprovoked spiel on Cole Cabana, uh, who, you know, obviously uh, has not spoken at all about this. I, I think um, the line that was the most telling, though, is where he calls out to Nick, you blew my spot. Like, exactly. he came in there with a game plan. With he agenda. came in there, he knew what he was addressing, and, and he was not prompted. And killed the vibe, really. It was such a celebratory vibe for him, for Chicago, for the company. And to have that happen was already bad enough. And then everything that happened afterwards, too. And we will still, you know, continue to learn details about whose fault exactly it was. But the scene that night, I would say, probably went from very celebratory, very nice to bad, solely based on the decision of the actions of Phil Brooks. And um, he ends the year. I mean, he's still an undeniable huge draw. And AEW arguably might need him to be uh, as competitive as they can be. WWE, I'm sure, would love to have him. But I have to imagine both those companies are seriously considering whether or not he's worth it um, compared to the headache that he potentially brings and the disruption he potentially brings to your locker room. And, and for that reason, I, I, I categorize that as big a setback. Yeah, I understood this as the same way you did, Way, and that's the same reason why I picked CM Punk. He had an incredible year in AEW, and then that that promo, like, yeah, it's funny to make fun of, and I'm quoting it constantly, like, I'm old, I'm tired, and working with children. And and it was just, it's just weird. It just, he seems so sour, and as just of someone who loves this stuff, AEW was doing everything right, and he decided to do that on an open forum, you know, at this press conference. It definitely rubbed me the wrong way as just a wrestling fan, as someone who, you know, I, I go to these shows, I go to support, let alone, you know, buying tickets to all these shows, then not seeing half the talent you wanted to see. You know, we don't know whose fault things were and stuff like that, but you could point some blame at him. You could have had this conversation in person with them. Probably would have went over a lot different. I know it's wrestling, so we all assume it's a work. There's still people out there that, that you know are saying that and stuff like that. I don't believe that whatsoever. This guy just seemed really angry and bitter, and it, it really rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't really have interest in seeing him wrestle really again. It's a shame because I thought his run in AEW was fantastic. I don't want to see him go back to WWE. I wish they could just work whatever these things are out. And we see that FTR Punk versus the Elite match. That's that's the like the end game, but I just don't see that happening. He just he really he really like lost a fan uh, in me personally. But we all sometimes don't like someone at work, you know. For sure, like that's normal. And he's the guy paid the most in this company. Grow the fuck up. Yeah, you know it, it did. It really damaged AEW this year. I think was that your biggest setback, Davy? No, I I completely didn't interpret it that way. But like it would be now. But I went for Sammy Guevara who I think oh. has had an awful year. Um, fantastic performer in ring. Um, but you look at the beginning of the year, breaking away from Inner Circle, trying a babyface singles run, had that incredible ladder match with Cody that mm -hmm. I think feels so long ago with Cody in the different company and everything, almost forgot about it. Um, but then it's this, it's as soon as he's with Ty, and that's the thing on TV, 
the TNT title run with uh, like flip flopping with Scorpio Sky, with who seemed to be a baby face, but then Dan Lambert's a heel, and then Sammy's a that baby was a face who yeah, comes a across so a heel. It it was all just very messy, and I think his stock significantly dropped so much so that they felt the need to put him back with Jericho, where you already had Garcia in that role in JAS. And it just felt like Sammy's this loose end that, ah, oh, well, I think I don't think he works as a babyface now. Let's just put him back with Jake and Jericho and and keep that together. Because um, I think beginning of the year, you could have seen a different year where his stock's rising. He could have challenged for a world title. You know, not not win it, but be up there, up a mid card. And I think he's like a mid pillar. to low card now, to be honest. it's a, It's a tough role when you do the we're all going our separate ways and then you're brought back in it's almost like you graduated and now you're coming back mm. that that Guevara's it was kind of like when you had Road Dog and Billy Gunn leave DX you did the breakup then they all come back together and it was like this acknowledgement the New Age Outlaws are better together but like the audience has seen you not succeed in this Dudley's. other role like I think Guevara is certainly salvageable but it, you know it was a rough rough year in terms of booking and uh, other issues um, I, I went a, a different direction and I, I'd throw a few in there like I thought Kushida getting out of NXT and going back to New Japan was going to be a breath of fresh air for him but he had you know he had that hand foot and mouth disease and then gets you know he's out of this four way for the junior heavyweight title he'll probably at best be in the in the, uh, the rumble on the pre-show just was a non-entity and I thought was going to be a much bigger deal going back to New Japan but I chose someone that returned at the Royal Rumble won the Royal Rumble and that was Ronda Rousey who then went on to have a pretty lackluster match with Charlotte at Wrestlemania had that terrible uh, promo um, where she came out after the Rumble and the audience you know she was you know she wouldn't smile and it was just like the audience didn't know how to take to her had a much better match with Charlotte at Backlash, and then we went into the Liv Morgan feud that I thought turned out to be really bad for Liv. Ronda gets into this heel role where at least we're looking at, okay, this is probably the role for her. Uh, it's it's very basic heel stuff, and I think we're, we give a lot of leeway, but it is she feels the least amount of a star that... And I've been covering this woman since 2011. I've never seen her let, have less of an aura about her. And if you take the aura away from Ronda Rousey, and she's just another woman on the roster, what do you have here? And I think her stock has fallen so much to the point that should she have come back at last year's Rumble or this year's Rumble to do the Becky match? You know what I mean? Like this year to me has not been any kind of step forward. It has been multiple steps back for her. And I just, she doesn't feel special. And she is somebody that should not be wrestling every week and should not feel like just another person on the roster. But she, to me, it's just like anybody else on the roster. So that is my pick. There is uh, like another honorable mention. Uh, I don't want to say specifically Bobby Fish, but where is the lie? I feel like Undisputed Era was one of the biggest acts. And then this year just seemed a lot messy. Obviously, there's injuries, a part of that. But even the way they were when they were originally brought in didn't feel like the way that we I kind of envisioned them. But uh, this setback kind of inspired me to just briefly, we are NXT. Usually, you mentioned Johnny Gargano getting that huge raw main roster call-up, and then now he's just kind of already like a B kind of player there. But I will give them props to the call-up of Gunther and Imperium, because ever since they've shown up on SmackDown, 
I'm watching SmackDown now. He has become a character that I now tune into watch. So I will say that I would pick that as like a best call up kind of category. But where they would also have dropped the ball for me is Raquel. She was like the champion in NXT. She was putting on a pretty good run there and then just kind of not really doing much from what I see. And then one last one is Swerve is doing great over in AEW, yeah. but I mean Hit Row is basically That's my Destiny's Child too. without Beyonce because they're just not doing anything of note. Really, John, I'm pretty sure you picked the Cipher for an award last year, like as one of the hottest things. You know, Hit Row in NXT. Oh, that was phenomenal! Yeah. And yeah, yeah, just seeing they're, how they've they Some, something's not working without yeah. Swerve as their main guy. So oh, I would no, say Hit, Hit Row. It's been a, just a flatline on SmackDown yeah, for me. Yeah. Next up is best on the mic last year. Clean sweep with MJF from all four of us. Uh, this year, who is your best uh, talker, Davey? It's it's two in a row, MJF. Um, I, I feel I've said a lot for the best wrestler thing, but he's just golden every single time he speaks. Um, I mentioned the, the promos with, with Punk earlier, but yeah, it's it's a very easy pick, MJF, for me. Um MJF, I'm sure, will will come up from you. I, I had him on my list here, but I went with John Moxley. I just thought that he was, you know, kicking off the year, just coming back in a very vulnerable situation and addressing it to the audience and really, to me, just um, endearing himself at a different level. And throughout the year, whether he needed to, you know, lean towards being a heel in his programs or a babyface, he could do both. And it was never conflicting to the character. He was very distinctly John Moxley. And I don't know if there's anyone that fully grasps grasps their uh, their connection with the audience and what words they would say better than a John Moxley that so fundamentally understands that aspect and can build whether it's a match for Rampage with a 60 second promo or several months to lead up to a rematch with CM Punk I think he just excelled in this department Braden yeah, I mean, you're you're so right. You're reminding me of that amazing promo where he's just so, like, this guy is so badass. I look at this guy, I want to be this guy. When I look in the mirror, I think I look like that. You know, like, I love the, the way he's, like, so masculine and badass and just, just the guy. And then cutting that promo, like... I thought that was that was something very different in wrestling that we're we're used to. Sorry, WWE has Sheamus throwing piss on on you know Jeff Hardy about their DUIs and all this stuff. Whereas this guy comes out as like, hey, I, I just it felt so different and, and so good that I you're so on the on the money there, John. I am gonna agree with David though. I, MJF man, like <laughs> this guy. Sorry about the way, but like he, he I know you're doing the See, graphics. He's the guy I think I am when I look in the mirror. Exactly right. <laughs> See, like he's just so good. Like ah oh, man, the the fact that he tricks you like wait is he a baby face now and then people are like oh yeah he's the good guy now well, well no actually he's not he's just tricking you and uh just every little like one-liners the nicknames he has for people everything mjf does specifically the pipe bomb promo like his pipe bomb where he, you know he gets cut off essentially i thought that was really good and got so many people invested in that storyline uh he's had a, a hell of a year mjf way uh you know certainly the both uh both of those were my top two choices it was between moxley and mjf um both of them just incredibly consistent every time they're called upon to you know deliver a, a, a talking segment it's it's usually incredibly captivating i gave the edge to mjf because i think he's had more impactful memorable segments throughout the year um 
and you know he's just at a level now that really I think is beyond so many people. Only to me, uh, it'll be really interesting next year to see where Ricky Starks ends up on a list like this because towards the end of the year, in particular in segments against MJF, he's really stood his ground, and he's also seemed to operate at that very upper echelon level in terms of uh, uh, promo guys right now in the industry. So I'm very excited to see where Starks ends up. But this year, it's also MJF. Worst on the mic. Last year, myself, Braden, and Davey chose Vaughn Wagner, and Way picked Seth Rollins. So this year, I will start things off, and I am going with NXT, and I think there are multiple candidates here, uh, and I went with Zion Quinn. Uh, <laughs> who, oh, good yes. pick, John. So Great pick, John. <laughs> Proud Great of you. Pick. Wow. Proud of you. I've really tried to learn more about this guy, and to me, his gimmick is he's a guy. Okay? He is a guy that is showing up and he just is there. And that's it. That's that's what Zion Quinn is. He had one week where he sang Shawn Michaels' theme and then was right back to his regular character afterwards. Just a man that has, um, I'm not saying he has no charisma, but he has not found it yet. Um, I'll be polite. Braden. Yeah, wow. Uh, I actually had Zion Quinn. I didn't figure, I thought that would slide <laughs> through your radar there, you know, main roster guys here. But yeah, um, he was, he's so bad. He The, the fact that they're clearly throwing, look, you can't blame half these people on NXT. They're probably being thrown into the deep end on TV, and I totally get it. But the Shawn Michaels thing was just so unbearably bad. It was completely, hmm, you don't have much charisma. Let's see what we can get out of you by just making you dance to Shawn Michaels' theme song for no reason whatsoever. And it didn't work. And then they make him act as if he's Roman Reigns on NXT for a few weeks where he's like, I'm the biggest star and the biggest superstar. It's like, sorry, who are you again? I don't know who you are. Every time he talks, I absolutely hate it. Every time he wrestles, I actually really hate it too. But when it comes to talking, he is awful. So I hope he could get better, but do not, do not like any time of that. Honorable mention to your main roster, though, Ronda Rousey. That specifically Rumble, after the Rumble promo was so bad. The feud with Shotzi, just so bad. Uh, yeah, Her title, Shotzi, that she got. Yes. <laughs> Way, who was the worst on the mic? Uh, my worst on the mic was, uh, because maybe I wasn't watching as much NXT this year, uh, it was Ronda Rousey. Um, she yeah. has certainly regressed a great deal um, on the microphone I, in terms of her, her, I think, just comfort. And it's... I'm a lot harder on her now than she was in her first run because it's been several years. She's been in the system. She's had probably the best coaching possible available to her on that roster uh, in that company. And I've just not seen really any sort of, you know, big signs of, of growth. Uh, in fact, it's been the opposite. So um, I think she just seems to really lack a, a, a bit of an understanding of, of, of what might be natural rather than somebody, you know, being forced to kind of play a mustache twirling type of bad guy, which is what I, I'm sensing a whole lot more, more from her in this heel run. Um, for somebody as in, in as high of a profile you know spot as her, I mean, we're talking about people like you know Bad Bunny and and Logan Paul that I think are understanding the concept of what it means to be a professional wrestling promo way better than Ronda has at this point. So yeah, she's my worst. And Davey. Normally with this award, I'd go with sort of, you know, who sounds the most wooden or uncomfortable on the mic. But this year I'm going more for like what promos have been damaging. And so like I was originally going to go with Marina Shafir for that. You don't know me. You don't don't know me. me. But then for me, it's got to be Soraya. 
like especially that first promo this should have been an absolute home run um page coming back from retirement to wrestle on pay-per-view against aw's biggest star Britt baker and and i would call her out on this rather than creative because we know in aw you have a lot more leeway with what you're saying i think it was clear she hasn't really watched this product at all um i thought what she said yeah damaged the whole program it made me not be interested in seeing Soraya wrestle at all um it made me yeah it buried the women's division I thought because it was like I'm here to save this dying division and and I think she's someone that is very capable on the mic I think she does come across comfortable and everything but so far every time she's talked whether it's in the ring backstage I've been like "Ooh, this isn't it at all so Soraya Next category is best character. So last year we had uh, Way Davy, or sorry, Way and Braden choosing Kenny Omega as the belt collector. I chose Matt Cardona and his run in GCW. And Davy, your best character was Joe Gacy, which yeah, I don't think is repeating this year. But you let us know, Davy, if this is a back-to-back win for Joe Gacy. It isn't, I'm afraid. Uh, his stock dropped a lot. He has he has improved. I, I the schism are, are coming together now. So, so maybe 2023 will be Joe. Uh, for me, it's the honourable Oose. Yes. It's Sami Zayn. Uh, any segment he's in, um, and and you've got to shout out the supporting cast as well. Like obviously Roman, Jimmy, Jay, Paul Heyman, Solo Sokoa. But Sammy is, has just been such an entertaining character all year. Um, going back to the the whole Johnny Knoxville feud at the beginning, which was so entertaining. And then to these, I, I think of that first segment with um, Roman and Sammy, where Sammy's on the phone and he's like, oh, Jay's kind of mad at me. And, and Roman starts to take a liking to him. It was like, wow, that was just an incredible scene, like well-written, well-acted, um, you saw wrestling so often is just very two-dimensional and you saw all these layers to both these characters coming through um, I really hope there's a huge huge payoff at the end of this with Sammy he is by far the hottest character in wrestling right now for me he's my pick as well is this a clean sweep I think so clean sweep yeah yes. absolutely very oozy he's so funny and to see him finally get it like it, seeing him finally featured on TV like all the time but like nailing it and just it's like when you used to watch uh, Chris Farley and Adam Sandler on SNL and they're trying to make each other crack. That's how I see them trying oh, yeah. to like just make each other pop and, and corpse and stuff. But it's so entertaining, everything. Waiting for him to get the sleeve, <laughs> waiting for him to get the braids. I don't know what else he needs to do to, to become the family, but he is so funny and I love that character. It's been such a unexpected addition that has really helped take the bloodline to the next level. You know, like without Sammy, they're still cool, but they're just kind of like any other dominant heel faction in a professional wrestling company. You add the element of this weird kind of like jestery type of Sami Zayn character in there and it lightens the mood. It brings humor to, to the group while still like making them dominant. And it also brings out this incredible like drama in all of their interpersonal relationships with each other and with Sami Zayn. Are, you know, is Sami with us or against us? Um, 
you know, um, Solo Sokoa, you know, being introduced and somehow working really well with Sami Zayn as well. He's helped um, every single one of them. When yeah. you look like Sokoa to me has been tied to him. Jay, we've seen the, the like the whole concept of like the right hand man and Jay and this paranoid Jay being the hothead. Jimmy as like the laid back dude that loves this guy. Yeah. And then you even Roman, like to me, it's brought up to it's emphasized all of their strengths built around this guy who's just your utility player. And I think as well, you have a much more optimistic view of what the ceiling can be and that a big payoff is coming rather than they have lightning in a bottle and you're not expecting them to capitalize on it. I think there's a lot of optimism there, um, especially for that Montreal show in February that I think becomes a really big show now because of the location and what's happening on television. We do going? a show called What's Next where we're, we're looking back at NXT kind of right from the beginning and where we're at right now, 2013, he's heavily featured and th- this is not a guy who suddenly like come out of his shell and found something it's always been in him his promos way back then were very like natural and entertaining uh we always saw him as having maybe that daniel bryan run and i think it's just finally the like cards have aligned that it's working yeah that like suddenly someone's seen it and being like oh this is working this works with our top top group here yeah it's so great because the guy deserves it like so much next up is worst character last year Braden and I chose Alexa Bliss with Lily. Uh, Way, you chose uh, Baron slash Happy Corbin alongside Mad Cat Moss. And Davey, you picked Duke Hudson, the poker player. So this year, uh, to kick things off, is Braden. Uh, okay, so worst character, honor, honorable mention Joe Gacy when he was the druid Undertaker Joe Gacy. Like when it didn't make sense of what the hell his character exactly was. So that was very, very bad. I also, I'm very sorry, I'm going to hurt some people, but... The the mathlete luchador gimmick is is pretty silly. I'm I'm just getting over it now, so it's not my worst character. But I'm sticking with masked wrestlers because I'm going with the Cirque du Soleil Shakespearean watcher stalker graffiti artist known as Scripps. He's my pick too. Scripps, the second like they're 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 mocking the Watcher show from Netflix with the voicemails. Who leaves voicemails anymore? And then uh, although we might have some on our show, maybe I shouldn't say that. Um then there's uh like him graffitiing and then he's talking in riddles and then he finally shows up and it's just Reggie with a mop on his head. So I'm just so confused at what was going on. Awful but- gear, awful character. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I hate this character. I think it's so silly. I don't even mind putting Reggie under a mask to d- differentiate himself from the the main roster run. But dude, this looks like he's in a Halloween costume. It looks so lame on NXT, and I just I I thought the vignettes were awful. Yeah, um, just to me. I hate no it. intrigue. None of, none of it makes sense. It seemed like he's mine as well. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, he seemed like this kind of. I don't know, cyber terrorist hacker kind yeah, of character. Spy, and then voyeur. and then he does his first match and he's he's leaving notes like with a with a quill, as you said, like he's he's Shakespeare or something. <laughs> but the mask the, his gear doesn't match either character he's presented in vignettes or or like post match. No, it clearly wasn't and then him. it all builds up to a feud with Jiro where he steals his jacket. <laughs> It's like, why? Like, has this whole thing, all these weeks, hacking into the Performance Center voicemail just because he really wants Jiro's jacket? I don't oh. understand. It's, it's terrible. To be or not to be? 
I will say though, I said Duke Hudson last year. However, like Ooh. Duke Hudson, Andre Chase, Chase U are like one of my favorite things I in love, wrestling. I love right Chase now. U. Chase U is a great. So, like if you if you're if you're a fan of the Sami Zayn Bloodline stuff, you got to check out. Yeah, you got to see the. And Duke, Duke stuff. is someone who's completely come out of his shell yeah. doing this stuff rather than playing poker. Yeah, fair play, fair play. All right, and way. Uh, yeah, my choice for worst character, I suppose, um, it kind of comes down to maybe, um, a lack of, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this. Lack of lack. Um, I went with Lacey Evans this year for my worst character and so much oh, which of it. One? Which, which one? one? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, it, it, it maybe more so comes down to, I think, uh, just completely, um, a fumbling of a reintroduction that maybe started off with, with some decent promise, uh, you know, with those vignettes where she talks, you know, very kind of candidly about her life story, but it was just the constant barrage of those. And I think, um, adding the music underneath it and making it all to, um, uh, I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like, uh, maybe a little desperate to the point where I think you got to see the audience start to turn on them. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because of some online, you know, uh, uh, negative reaction or not, but they decided to go full on with her as a heel. And then they decided not to take her on as a heel with her reintroduction it's just been a complete mess they took her off the tv and now they're trying to reintroduce her again so we'll see how it goes another time but i think it's for that complete lack of direction and and flip-flopping back and forth um with an otherwise like really touching you know incredible real life story that um makes makes her for me the worst character Next subject is best weekly TV show. It was a clean sweep for Dynamite last year. We will see if they repeat. Uh, I'll start this one. I did go with Dynamite again this year. I know that AEW, they certainly had some of their struggles this year, but that to me does not overshadow um, what to me is still a fantastic two-hour show, nine times out of ten. That I mean, we we typically get like an one really tremendous match at minimum on that show each week. I always look forward to the show on Wednesdays, um, and you had some uh, phenomenal promos on the show as well. You, we could go through all the matches, but it would just be a laundry list of them. But it is it is the clear-cut number one show for AEW, and whatever um, criticism you have for Rampage, I don't think you can apply that to Dynamite. At most, it's they fit too much on the show, but I think even the pacing has gotten a lot better on this show, and I just think it's a breeze to watch. Watching, as you guys do, NXT on Tuesday night, that show to me feels double the length of Dynamite on back-to-back nights for me. It's it's remarkable to me how quickly Dynamite goes by, and it's it, to me it's still a, a very very compelling show. Uh, wait, I too went with AEW Dynamite. I mean, this is certainly the year where we've been the most critical of AEW and its product, and its product, and maybe a lot of the flaws that you know might have always been there are are just that much more apparent now that we're that much more familiar with with uh, AEW. I still have a lot of issues with the pacing, um, so I'm very curious to see in the new year what changes. You know, with the new executive producer and just you know um, new maybe uh, look uh, and, and everything else in general. Um, but nonetheless, it is still the best show that is on TV. Um, my runner-up... My, the best show on TV, period. Uh, White ever. Lotus? Get the fuck well, up. I mean, con- compared to... The, the t- bear? Better. <laughs> you know, way better than any of these things. Best thing ever. Yeah. You know, like a runner-up for me might, might be a SmackDown. Um, but I think in terms of just like what Dynamite offers in terms of variety, in terms of great actual wrestling, uh, it's still the best wrestling show on TV. Brady. Yeah, I- 
hands down. It's ever since it started, it's been like definitely reinvigorated my love for reinvigorated my love for wrestling and watching this stuff and seeing like this like dream matches and almost video game GM mode type thing come to life with Tony Khan booking random like in one episode you had Shibata, Jeff Jarrett, Rick Ross, and they're definitely forgetting someone else who popped up on that show. Like just every episode is really two dimes. Like, two dimes. Yeah, that episode was nuts. Uh, it's just a, such a fun show, and yeah, this year was really tough for them, but to kind of see them still succeed in my opinion like since all out their shows have still been really good and their weekly tv the wrestling is there every like you said john every week there's a great match so yeah it, it, like there should be a category of tv match because they've had a million you forget about how many good matches they've had but yeah still a great year for dynamite clean sweep davy yeah clean sweep uh, i think you mentioned it's it's had its issues this year as well i don't think the storytelling has been quite as good but I never come out hating a show. I never come out feeling like my time has been wasted. You always get a great match. And I think sometimes we're overly critical, A, because we you know, podcast about it and that's what we do, but because we, we do love it. So we're, we're pointing out the things that could be better, but compare it to any other weekly wrestling show on TV, it's, it's miles ahead of everything. We could give criticism to Rampage because I definitely am so over that show, especially when they brought their whatever they called that episode of rampage in toronto it was probably my least favorite i went to a raw this year with with you john and that was one of the best raws i've ever been to and i've been to like maybe 20 plus raws rampage was probably my least favorite wrestling show i've ever been to and i've been it was definitely davies yeah i've been in in a first-hand account (laughs) i've been in like you know bingo hall school gyms and all that stuff for wrestling but this show i i was really not a fan of uh that one but yeah next is best pay-per-view and let's start with way yeah this one um i mean i'm terrible at like memory and and in particular like trying to remember every single match on a particular show to the point where i could say wow this is like my favorite show um but for me i do think i was swayed by the live experience um and that was for AEW full gear uh being there live top to bottom i think we enjoyed a really great card you know starting off with man um Toma here, sorry, uh, Eddie Kingston versus Junakiyama. We got to see live in person, and then followed that that up with um, uh, the incredible Luch- Luchasaurus Jungle Boy Cage match. Um, we got to see Swerve in Our Glory versus the Acclaimed, and, and the culmination of that feud. An incredible Young Bucks versus Death Triangle match that, at that point, I thought was going to be the only one we were going mm-hmm. to see. And then culminating the evening with a, a fantastic MJF, uh, hang, uh, 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 John Moxley match as well. So um, that was probably my pay per view of the year. Yeah, I agree with the way we were there. We were hanging out live with a big giant crew of postmarks and it was just a blast. But the actual show itself was awesome. The fact that I went back and kind of cherry picked and rewatched some matches kind of shows. We've been to a bunch of of events live this year, but this one just had a lot of great stuff. You've kind of nailed the matches. But yeah, really fun pay-per-view. Jamie winning finally was great to see as well. But yeah, great show. I went with uh, Forbidden Door, which was a show that certainly got um, a so in that month of June, you start off the month with Punk's uh, broken foot that you know throws tons of plans. You had the the United Center booked for this Forbidden Door show to do Punk and Tanahashi. So you know the booking I think leading into this match certainly left something to be desired. But in terms of that night, I thought this pay per view delivered in a huge way. Um, some of the matches on this we had like um, we we had that bizarre but 
very pleasing match with the Young Bucks and El Fantasmo against oh, yeah. Darby Allen, Sting, and Shingo oh, yeah. Takagi. Uh, Will Ospreay against Orange Cassidy. That was just unbelievably great. Claudio and Zach, uh, Moxley and Tanahashi. It was and a phenomenal crowd as well in Chicago. So I thought, and it ended up doing like when all the uh, the late buys were reported. Like this, this did a phenomenal number by AEW standards for a show that there was all the criticism. No one knows who these talents are from New Japan. It's like the concept worked in in a big way, uh, both from tickets sold to pay per views purchased, and it's a concept you can go back to again. There's no shortage of matches you can do on the follow up and and take it to other places uh, if they ever leave Chicago for a show of this magnitude. Yeah. That showed a human Umino on that show, man. He broke out. Him and Jericho having the back and forth and stuff. I thought that was a real breakout moment for yeah, Shota, had, the shooter. Uh, yeah. Minoru Suzuki, Jericho, and Guevara against Eddie Kingston, Shota Umino, and Wheeler Yuta, which got four and three quarter stars. That was your opener on on the show. Yeah, I so really love that. Re- really good show overall, yeah. Davey. I'm like way where I find it, especially this year more than ever, so much has happened. You get so many great matches every single week that it all just becomes noise. So for me, it's it's things that I can remember. I remember loving Forbidden Door, but until you ran down the card then, I'd have had to have thought of what matches there are. So I'm for that reason, I'm going for WrestleMania Night 1 um, because it had like a triple header of Austin returning for his first match in 19 years against Kevin Owens. Uh, you had the Bianca Belair Becky Lynch match, which I absolutely loved, and the uh, Cody Rhodes surprise, surprise, quote unquote, return to face Seth Rollins in an awesome match. I think those three alone, like, really stand out in my memory. And I remember the rest of the card, like, not being bad either, being fine undercard stuff. You've got the spectacle of it being Mania in a huge stadium, and Miz and Logan Paul. Uh, Miz and Logan Paul, yeah. Um, and I think I've been so low on WWE for such a while and watching that first night uh, of WrestleMania made me kind of love it again. Um, so, yeah, like Stone Cold wrestled, wrestled again. Was that was great. on my short list for sure. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. It was also one of those years where you had, like, I, I truly believe, like, Austin was the big build-up for this year's Mania. But like that, like that, and I'm not comparing it as the same thing, but when you had uh, 14 with... Austin and Michaels going in, like Tyson was the big attraction, but you had this hot product that coming out of it, you had this huge wave of momentum. And I think that was the case this year with a a lot, like Cody to me would be that guy that carried a lot of people and you had a post mania um, interest that was certainly big and that predated any of Vince's departure or any of that. Like there was, like Cody felt like a big shot in the arm for casual WWE interest. For it me. had those goosebump moments for me, which I haven't had for WWE for such a long time. I liked both nights of WrestleMania. Yeah. This is my favorite WrestleMania in a long time, like years. I, I think I'd put it up there as one of the best. If you, you know, both nights. But night one especially was, was really good. Who hasn't gone yet for... I think we all have. All, all good? Okay, so now we ship things over to worst pay-per-view of the year. And Braden, you can kick things off. It, this was honestly really hard. Usually I just... My crutches, I picked my... WWE isn't really that good. But this year, WWE definitely picked up. We were just praising WrestleMania. So actually, of all the WWE shows, there was nothing that like stuck out to me. Uh, honorable mention, NXT In Your House. I thought it was probably one of the weakest pay-per-views NXT's takeover, non-takeover has ever put out. But uh, honest, uh, this is just an honest like how I felt the day of was the Royal Rumble. Uh, that's the biggest show. That's your non-wrestling fans wanting to get together and watch because it's 
the the most fun. And they somehow made it not very fun. I don't know. I, I could be on my own island, but both Rumble matches were really stale and like felt like nothing actually happened in them. So because I I was so like let down by that, I'm picking Royal Rumble as my worst pay-per-view. I'm sure there was still stuff on it that I loved. I'm remembering Bad Bunny getting F5'd. But really, it was like, ah, what happened? Like, Rumbles, there's usually things in them that connect and storytelling and this and that. I just felt like it was just... You got Shane McMahon. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But yeah, it didn't It didn't hit for me. I'm really excited for the Rumble. It's, it's you know, it's everyone's favorite show. It's so much fun. And it just didn't give me that, that feel at the end of the day. But, yeah. Davey. Mine is... AEW Rampage from October 14th, 2022. <laughs> it's a pay-per-view because you know what? I spent a lot of fucking money on this fucking show. Didn't, wasn't able to sell some extra tickets. It's probably the most I've ever spent on a fucking wrestling show. And oh, what did you give me? You gave me uh. Ethan Page versus Isaiah Casti in a two-minute match. Uh, you gave me Nyla Rose versus Anna Jay. Who the fuck wants Wait, to watch I, that? If I was allowed to pick this, I would have picked this. Sean Spears, you didn't, you didn't spend the money on it. The fucking embassy in the main event to debut Ooh. the kingdom. I Ooh. think, I think, I don't know if we've seen them since. If this was just after Dynamite and it was a taping, it would still be pretty shit. But this was an individual show. They announced two nights in Toronto. We're going, okay, they've got to be doing something big both nights. Maybe Kenny one night, Jericho the next night, something like that. Get the Canadian thing in. They they did not care about this show at all. That's that's not fair. You're overlooking what they promoted that week. Night two, if you come... You get to hear Judas. You get Judas. to hear Judas. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Judas was the main, the main draw. Awful. I, I, like Davey like, was so upset. I, I'm like again. I was the worst show wrestling show I've been to. So if if I'm allowed to pick that, I would totally pick that because I fucking hated that you show. Paid for it, so I guess, bad. Technically, yeah. Man, it was bad. Ways adjusting the volumes because we're all we're getting straight. way too heated about this rampage. <laughs> they, it was bad, and they should feel bad. Yeah. Okay. Way. Good job. Uh, I went with the show that I don't think many people saw this year, and that was. Um, a show I had to cover for for the site, of course, uh, and that was GCW Spring Break Part Two: The Greatest Clusterfuck. I feel like this is probably a choice I've chosen in many many years, and as um, I think is the aim of a show like this, it might be the best compliment you can probably pay uh, for. <laughs> but this was a show that um, I think, in terms of good wrestling, might have only been saved by. A Mike Bailey versus Jordan Oliver match, a match that was actually supposed to be uh, Mike Bailey versus PCO, but because PCO was injured at the Impact Show right before, you had Jordan Oliver step in last minute and deliver a hell of a match with Mike Bailey, who you know was probably working his fifth match that evening. Um, and then you had, of course, the clusterfuck, which is a ninety-minute act of endurance as a wrestling fan. Um, that you know, I don't know why I subject myself to every year, but it's it's quite the experiment this year. It was as bad as I think it, it's it's always been, featuring uh, the likes of um, Buff Bagwell, um, the Invisible Man, which actually is 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 very awesome. Sean Ross Sapp made his uh, wrestling <laughs> debut here, uh, getting involved with Denise Salcedo, uh, may even made an appearance, and of course, who could forget early morning Guy Steele, perhaps uh, my performer of the evening uh, for the great, greatest cl- clusterfuck. But I mean, still, I have to put it as my worst. Well, I went with a show that um, I don't know how many people bought this thing, but one of them was uh, was John Cena, and that was NWA Hard Times 3. 
16 matches, 10 of which were title matches, including a Voodoo Queen casket match, uh, an EC3 match with Tom Latimer that ended in a DQ that sounded horrific, and to cap off the night, Tyrus wins the NWA title. So um, it, it just was a dreadful show for the NWA that um, maybe will come up later. Best promotion. Last year, uh, all of us selected AEW. We will see if they repeat this year among this panel. Let's start off with Davey. Sorry, what, what's the category? Best promotion. Oh, AEW. <laughs> Braden. <laughs> yeah, look, Tony Khan's had some, uh, some curveballs thrown at him this year, but they, they still put on some great stuff, man. I love watching them every week. Maybe not that one rampage, but I'll still give them the win. <laughs> I went with AEW as well. An honorable mention to stardom, but I just... Yeah. AEW, I mean, for, for all you want to say, they had... For, for their level, like, this is not a, a company that is in the, the stratosphere of WWE. But when, when it comes to um, a pleasing product that you get on most weeks, they certainly have the, their issues with them. The fact that they did as many million-dollar gates as they did, up their pay-per-views uh, in terms of just the average amount of buys... How they fare in like a post CM Punk uh, promotion? That is going to be a big question for next year, along with the uh, the TV rights being up. But I, I would say still they are uh, my promotion of the year. Wait, clean sweep here, AEW as well. Um, now this was going to be, I would say, a bit more of an interesting conversation if it took place a bit earlier in this year, uh, when AEW maybe was you know at, at its lowest in terms of um, audience, I think perception that it has been in, in quite some time. And conversely, WWE was taking a big big step up with renewed interest and in what, what seemed to be you know a more serious uh, or more fan pleasing kind of like um, change of creative direction. Uh, WWE to me is kind of ending you know a bit more on a on a on a on a note where it's kind of reverting almost back to like a lot more of a what what people haven't really liked about it uh whereas i think AEW is ending the year off maybe better than it than it was at its lowest point um and i think overall even at its lowest point it's still the company that seems to cater the most to the desires of the type of fans that we happen to be the four of us um and that's you know a focus on great in-ring product working relationships with outside promotions Picking up all the best, you know, in-ring talent, best micro uh, promos that are unscripted. You Rick know? Ross, uh, Rick Ross, absolutely, and Mike Tyson in the same year. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's still the promotion of the year, but it's not without its mistakes, and that's what this year kind of spelled. They've done a better job, like doing celebrity stuff. I've seen them on a lot more outlets that don't involve wrestling this year. Like I felt like AW is breaking that, like you know barrier with mjf at the ufc i had so many people like oh i saw that guy like i've had quite yeah. a few ask me about a lot of new this people MJF this year were like oh what is this you know so we'll see what are, happens with bow wow maybe that will be there in the 2023 crossover gate. okay worst promotion of the year i will start this one off the nwa which to me had a year that if you were to summarize i think it all would center around stuff that happened off camera involving this group where it was uh, met with, you know, Billy Corrigan and Nick Aldis going back and forth. Billy Corrigan explaining that when Nick Aldis was doing his prior interviews this year on Busted Open, part of it was an angle we were shooting. But now this is real. It's like to me, once once you're using the media to shoot your angles, what's coming uh, from from your side? I just I don't take you seriously at this point. It's a pro and then Billy Corgan um, in his other interview with Bradshaw and Briscoe 
describing like like we we want to have all of these big guys like he just described the company and going after casual fans rather than quote unquote pro wrestling fans it's like you guys are on fight tv right now who do you think you're appealing to you're not on television you're going after a lane that does not exist in my estimation of you know covering this business day by day and i think it's a company that i just don't think has any momentum behind it and and it's and it's a model that i just think is not going to attract any kind of substantive fan base where it's on fight it's on youtube there's so many great options and to me if you are not going after the wrestling fan Good luck, because I don't know who is just stumbling upon uh, the this, this show on Fight TV, and you're creating fans out of that, and your gateway is Tyrus from his Fox News audience. It's I just don't think it's a company that has an idea of what their fan base is, who they're going after, and and I think that that's borne itself out. There's just there's so much wrestling out there. You have got to be high quality to grab people's attention. I'll just agree with you because I've not watched NWA, but as soon as I hear Tyrus is your world champion, I can already tell you it's probably the worst promotion uh, going right now. And all the like drama with, with all that stuff, like you said, John, I, I instantly agree. To, to make me not check out a single thing like Impact, I'll check out things here or there because I hear the buzz. NWA, the only buzz I hear is negativity. And then, of course, people leaving and going back to WWE and everything. Totally, totally agree with you. Like, I understand the idea. Of, like, Impact, I, I watch Impact every week, and it's a pretty enjoyable product. Like, it has some of its wacky angles, like dudes getting shanked every now and then. But <laughs> overall, like, Impact is a great show. There's very good wrestling on it, but it certainly does not have that buzz. So I can understand you don't want to just be an also-ran, but this is not that direction. And you don't have the magic answer to create new fans, but you're... You're pretty much an internet-based product, and it's like if you are not going after pro wrestling fans and like are actively not, it's it, – well, th- there's a guarantee that you are not going to find an audience, and, and that's it. And you know, you've seen NWA as many years – like at what point – what is the end game here? And I think a lot of these companies are going to realize like that, that life-changing television or streaming deal, it's – probably not trickling down to this level when you know you've got your big two that makes significant money in television rights and the rest are you know it's just it's not going to be that life-changing deal that's going to come your way so wait worst promotion yeah um you know this is a bit of a tougher one for me too because like i i I don't know if i i love like picking something that i've never really seen um but nonetheless like i don't know if anyone will ever see this promotion because my worst promotion of the year was the wrestling entertainment series the wes the <laughs> promotion the same as me <laughs> <laughs> that was about to be put on by the former authors of pain um consisting of yeah, a, a bevy of uh former wwe talent that for whatever reason had had not found their way onto uh, any of the other promotions that are out there these include of course um the former Nia Jax, the former Lana being booked, uh, Karrion Cross at one point being booked on this, and uh, Fandango, Mojo Rawley, uh, a main event that was supposed to be inexplicably headlined by a dream match for zero people that I particularly know in um, Braun Strowman versus Alistair Overeem. That got quickly changed to Moose versus Alistair Overeem, and wouldn't you know it, uh, none of it really sold any tickets, and... Uh, 
you couple that with like you know talent like Chelsea Green complaining about just uh, not not really um, miscommunication among other like things. Date changing as well. There was all sorts of stuff. You had wrestlers who like canceled other bookings to do this show. It's an overseas gig. Yeah, the you f- can't just book a night off from your indies. Like it was chaotic for the talent that had committed to this. The fact that they thought it was a twenty thousand seat arena as well. This wasn't like a thousand seater or whatever they they were thinking you know Nia Jackson Lana will sell out this Asses 20 thousand arena in Nottingham um yeah the whole thing I mean I I listened to Authors of Pain shortly before they started this on Renee's podcast and they were talking about how they're going into NFTs and what's oh, that what's that cyber world thing called? crypto no the Meta metaverse, metaverse, and they're doing they're going to do wrestling in the metaverse. Exactly what you're looking stuff. for in a wrestling. I don't animation. think like as soon as I heard that, and then I hear they're attached to promotion, I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's going to work. That's yeah. why the itineraries were sent into the metaverse to find out their their schedule of events for the week. Um, yes, I don't think we'll ever see WES uh, make it to the light. Th- think about that: the fact that Nia Jax, what she had to have been offered when she's done no indies since leaving WWE, and she was going to do that show. Pour one out. Uh, a very good one with WES. Match of the year. Last year, um, myself and Way chose the Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers from All Out. Davey, you picked MJF and Darby Allen from Full Gear, and Braden had Kenny Omega against Brian Danielson from Grand Slam. Braden, what was your match of the year? Yeah, when I watch pro wrestling, I love all the great stuff like storytelling, the technical wrestling factor, the the character work, and everything in between the ropes. And that is why I picked Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville from WrestleMania. Because I have watched a lot of matches back this year. This year was crazy. Honorable mention to my runner-up. Wrestle Kingdom, Osprey versus Okada. I've watched that way too many times this year. But, yeah, Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. This I love was, that those are your two finalists. That's anarchy, <laughs> anarchy in the Arena was also the rewatch value this year, as well as showing non-wrestling fans they loved the, those two matches, Anarchy and uh, Sami Zayn and Knoxville. But rewatching that, I did a bar watch along at Sneaks in Toronto, Sneaky D's, and the bar was going absolutely mental. The crowd in the stadium in Texas were going absolutely mental. And rewatching it the other night, we watched this. I was dying laughing at these spots. And who knew Johnny Knoxville could do some of those things? It was just so hilarious. And then to see, like, Sammy go on to have this incredible year. Yeah, I love my my technical wrestling. I've watched a lot of New Japan this year as well. But this was so funny. I was dying laughing. And maybe it's a part of me because I grew up being a huge fan of the Jackass crew. So when Party Boy makes his appearance and rips those off, man, I I shed a tear of how great it it was. I like the choice. (laughs) Let's go with Way. Uh, I went this year with, uh, you know, I, I had a, I had a lot of different options. Um, and again, like this is always, I, I love that you chose that Braden because like, I think so often we, we might just kind of get stuck on like, well, what was the best technical wrestling bout? Yeah. And, and that's to me, not what professional wrestling is. Although I do, I think, you know, expect a certain level of it. Um, but you know, ultimately it's about what has entertained you the most, what has stuck with you the most. And for me this year, that was Hell in a Cell, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Um, you know, we I never really watched the Bulls, uh, you know, in their, in their sort of like a glory run. But I know all about the flu game and from Michael Jordan. And that to me was wrestling is equivalent of uh, the flu game with Cody Rhodes wrestling with this incredible. Toro had the flu. It, it had something. Yeah. Um, 
it, it, it was the type of match that I don't know if it could ever reasonably be replicated in the same circumstance because so many things have to fall into place. You had to have, or first of place. all, that too thank you john (laughs) but like you know it had to be the type of injury that looked so gruesome yet was somehow okay enough to allow the guy to perform and yes this was a has been a very controversial thing but soon after this you've had doctors you know tell us when a peck is stripped off the bone it's not going to get torn any anymore and somehow at that point it's just about pain management, and we know wrestlers are some of the toughest people that are out there. And it gave us this incredible performance that, you know, from the reveal uh, of, of Cody's jacket to, to seeing that peck, I rewatched it last night. There was a hush from that audience that just, like, didn't know what they were watching. Um, and obviously there was a lot of concern. But again, it, it, it reminded me a whole lot. We just talked about Hell in a Cell with uh, McFoley and The Undertaker. And that was also a match that I think had some similar vibes where you're watching it and thinking, should we be watching this? You know, you're captivated the whole way and wondering if this should be going on. Um, I will say, though, as a match, I felt like something like this was much more controlled. They took this incredible visual of Cody's peck and they weaved it into... I think a wonderful narrative that felt, you know, deliberate every single step of the way. Unlike the Hell in a Cell with the Undertaker, where it just kind of felt like ultimately they're just kind of going through the motions and delivering stunt after stunt. This told a real story, and you also had Cody, um, you know, of course, uh, doing a lot of the references to Dusty because so many of the promos were about Dusty, and so many of the promos were about Triple H, and that's ultimately what the story, uh, the match built to with the sledgehammer, both of them vying for Hunter's throne, and uh, Cody ultimately winning with it. So, you know, uh, credit of course to Cody Rhodes, but also of course Seth Rollins. You have to have, he had to have been lucky enough to be on the opposing end with arguably the best wrestler in the company at the time, being able to take care of him the way he did. Uh, and I thought it resulted in the most captivating match of the year. It's going to be a ma- it's, it's a match you remember at the end of the year, and that's harder and harder in this climate to stand out and be remembered. And even like th- this is such a weird industry when it comes to like those kinds of moments that are going to set you apart, and that even if you were presented with okay, you have you have torn this pack, working on it. It might tack on another three to four months of rehab and you could look at it like maybe this is worth it. Like this is the kind of, you know, it's I'm hurt already Mm -hmm. and this is going to be the kind of like a lasting moment for me that is going to have that that kind of um, resonance with, with people. So it was certainly like a very compelling match because of the real nature of the injury and people knowing about it in the hours leading into it. Um, I thought. Um, after the G1, I thought that Okada and Osprey was going to take this. And then the double dog collar match between FTR and the Briscoes happened at final battle. I, th- I thought this was a near, if not completely perfect match. And I just thought that like these from the second they walked out, the stakes felt huge. Just the little things like the date on the trunks of FTR, you knew just from that this this is the climax. This is what everything's been building towards. You know, we talk at times about, you know, in AEW that like a feud can start and then there's no follow up. And they were handcuffed here because they could not follow up with the Briscoes and FTR. They only had these three shows. And I never saw that complaint. It was like people understood this and it kept your attention over the course 
of a year from the initial angle at the previous year's final battle. And this final match, it was violent. It was all justifiable violence. It was compelling from the audience's perspective. They worked so hard. And like these violent matches aren't always my cup of tea, but when they're done right, I can certainly acknowledge how great um, of a match this was. And this took the cake over the other ones for me that they did uh, this year. There were some outstanding matches, but I I just thought this was like an all-time great dog collar match. I mean, we could have done best dog collar match of the year and had, yeah, there was two uh, had really candidates. Great ones. So it was a great year for dog collar matches as well. So that is my pick. And Davey. Yeah, similar to the pay-per-view one where at the end there's, I remember liking it, but then when I try to remember what happened, it's just kind of noise. And I remember every single spot in this match and love it. And it's Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn. It's, wow. The it's, perfect pairing. It's a two. proper match. Like I think back to other kind of wrestlers, non-wrestlers, even, you know, when you had like John Cena facing John Laurinaitis and that shit. And it's just, oh, we get the fire extinguisher out. There's a trash can. It's, it's just the same old shit. Whereas this, like, it was a proper match, told a proper story. Proper like, hand. Like, smashing. Johnny Knoxville was Wee taking man. those elbows and those halluva kicks. Wee Man with the scoop slam, yeah. like it's Hogan to Andre. <laughs> You've got the, the mouse traps on the table bump. Oh, yeah. The hand, just every time I howl, it just, the way it shot, Sammy running away and just flying out of nowhere. Uh, the halluva kick to Wee Man. Yeah, oh, uh, the crowd hated it's, it. Yeah. And this. This WrestleMania to me kind of felt like an obviously instance that happened of like tarnished it. But, you know, at the end of WrestleMania 20, when you had Eddie and Benoit and it's like, (laughs) we've made it. And in such a weird way, this year was that for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Like these two best friends going through it. It wouldn't be the matches you'd expect. KO versus Austin and Sami versus Johnny Johnny Knoxville. But it completely was that. And I think that gave... The company so much trust in Sammy. I think the payoff. I th- I'm pretty sure on our likely or li- unlikely last year, we're like, there was a question: Will Sammy Zayn stay? And we're like, oh, he should go to AEW. He should go. They made absolutely the right decision, yeah. staying where they are, and I think they're reaping the benefits of it now. Um, this was. Is it technically the best? No. Is it my most memorable and favorite match that? gets laughs from me beginning to end yes exactly i i, I will like add on like again i, I just rewatched anarchy for like maybe anarchy in the arena for the third time and, and showed it to my young brother who's in and out and again like non-stop front to back like so much fun and i can remember every bit of it watching it and it, the Sh- sur- shout out to chris ely <laughs> chris ely oh right the, the scooter the, oh right. man it's so funny yeah it's arena. so good yeah. I, I will can i just throw honorable honorable mentions, mentions yeah, for this honorable one, mentions yeah. for sure match yeah. of the year uh something i really loved i loved cody versus seth at wrestlemania the first one it felt so special and so good as well love the hell in the cell but june kasai versus yeah. el desperado in a death match that don't watch it if you are squeamish because there's forks knives tables Class. I don't know what else is used in that match, but oh my god, watch it if you have not. Uh, Osprey and Michael Oku. Oh yes. yeah, yep, for sure. Uh, incredible in that setting. Uh, Ray Phoenix and Vikingo at one of the one of the Triple Manias this year, but that match was amazing as well. There was that uh, crazy lucha match at Ric Flair's last match as well with Black Bruce. Right. Oh, yeah. and, was it Gringo uh, and Gringo? I Our think. Boy Gringo yeah, Loco, that one yeah. was great. Uh, Sheamus versus Gunther. Seamus having just Clash the, the run of his life, finally mm-hmm. getting, I think, the respect he deserves. I think I think there was a lot of, like, 
unnecessary hate for Seamus for quite a few years, but now I think everyone's kind of come round to see. This guy almost retired a few years ago. He's putting on the work of his life. That that Donnybrook six-man tag was so much fun, but Gunther Seamus, like Gunther, so much kind of nerves from fans on him. They're not going to treat him right. They're going to put him in Lederhosen on the main roster and just do silly stuff. He's being presented exactly how he should be. And that match was just the perfect match between the Banger. two of them. Yeah. Banger. Uh, Phoenix Bandito, Laredo Kid, and Black Taurus from Ric Flair's yeah, last match. That was, that was nuts. Um, not match of the year, but I thought that yeah. Josh Alexander speedball match on Impact a few weeks yeah. ago, the 60-minute or near 60-minute match, That th- th- there were so many great matches. I, I you have never had the level of this quality. Um, it's just happening. At, like some of the stardom matches uh, th- this year from from their main event scene. Um, the, those to me, the strongest number two title in the world is the the Wonder of Stardom title at, at this point. Like that is to me uh, above any other s- secondary belt um, that that they have brought up with with and Saya Kamatani holding it uh, this year. I, w- I will also throw in. Uh, I loved Danielson versus Garcia when Garcia went over. On Danielson, I think it was in two Buffalo? out of three falls. One, no, two out of three falls or something. I don't know. It was a TV match. It was so oh, good. Uh, yeah, yeah I'd love Danielson it. Hangman won at the Danielson of the Hangman, year. like they fought a bunch too, and that, those were amazing. So we saw that live. Yeah. Wait, well, no, but the one that was January fourth last year in 2022 was like the same. I think that was the best day of wrestling to ever happen. It's the TBS debut. It was. Right? It yeah. was. It was Danielson Hangman. The same day was Wrestle Kingdom, Okada, and Osprey. That's a great day of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go to worst match oh. of the year to even everything out. Uh, last year, our picks were Brayden and I going with the zombie lumberjack match. Way chose Charlotte Flair and Nia Jax from the August 30th edition of Raw. And Davey had The Fiend versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania 37. Way, what was your worst match of 2022? Um, you know... um. Usually this would be a bit of a tougher choice um, for most years because I guess, you know, just as um, we're clearly widely varied in what we choose to be the best, um, you can just as be just as varied with what's the worst. Uh, this year, I'm, I'm very grateful that we had a match like this that made the choice crystal clear. <laughs> and that was from WrestleMania. Pat McAfee versus Mince McMahon. Now, when it comes to worst, I guess I do lean a bit more towards like um, – technical ability because when something is just embarrassingly bad and should never take place on national tv to expose the sport of professional wrestling the way it, it did um i it, it it has to win an award and and for me it was this match you know uh vince mcmahon clearly somebody who should not be in a ring like this um in this sort of setting cinematic matches are probably what you know what what, what we we'd give them a, a bit of a pass on but at this point doing any sort of physicality is clearly beyond I think what he's capable of and Pat McAfee is an incredible performer but like it, it didn't matter if it was like you know um, Zack Sabre Jr. on the other side of the ring like it could have been the greatest wrestler ever and I think you would have ended up with complete shit uh, and that's what this was I imagine this is going to be a clean sweep I too went with Vince McMahon and Pat McAfee just uh, like all time like awful <laughs> match in Wrestlemania history maybe you guys can do worst match ever Wrestlemania this year uh, I'm also going to give a nod to Kazuyuki Fujita and Katsuhiko Nakajima from February 23rd in Nagoya in that this was the match that ended Nakajima's GHC heavyweight title run to Fujita and Fujita just like could not treat this guy more like garbage at the end of this match and just make him look like such a nothing it was just such a 
selfish finish that made Nakajima just feel like what happened such an underling it was just the way that Fujita at the end he's just playing with the guy and he's going over clean as well he's just like literally playing with the guy after and just like has the match won continues to attack him and it was just it was just such a burial to me of Nakajima at the end of this match and set up um, a very uninteresting title run with Fujita that he ultimately had to vacate uh, later later in the year. But Vince McMahon, Pat McAfee, head and shoulders, the worst match of 2022. Braden. Yeah, uh, like, look, we do up next, we watch NXT. It's developmental. There's a lot of people who, like I said, are thrown on TV who might be very green and stuff. So I feel like it's almost not fair to to criticize someone who's having, like, their third match. But again, they're being put on TV. If they're not ready, they shouldn't be put on TV. There's one that comes to mind. I'm not picking it, but it's my honorable mention. Indy Hartwell and Lash Legend, July 12th, NXT. Wow. Uh, I've rewatched it three times because... I, I had to. I just. I had. Why three times? Yeah, because I like just on the first two viewings. I think. I think we, I showed someone. Uh, someone else was like, "Wait, how bad could it be?" Yeah, and it was then, pretty bad. And then showed it to them. But uh, some something that that's my honorable mention. Uh, I I do pick Vince McMahon and Pat McAfee because it just it just is. But I just coming to mind now. I have to say, Ishi and Evil, twelve minutes of unbearable. Just god awful. I don't know what. And Ishii is like Ishii. He's our dog. Like, you know, like Stone Pitbull. But like, it took evil to drag him down to possibly one of the worst things I've seen all year, which is saying something because Ishii is having match of the year contenders nonstop. But this match was so bad. I really do not like evil. Everything is not evil. Uh, really memorable, but w- but then way put it, you put it in perspective. Like was it was it worse than Vince McMahon and Pat McAfee? No, not at all. So Pat Pat McAfee and Vince takes the cake for me. Yeah, some of my honorable mentions uh, as well. I was just gonna... can I come to Mike? Oh, you go. Oh. Yeah, go because <laughs> I it's not a clean sweep. Oh, okay, okay. Here. The men's Royal Rumble. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Vince versus Pat was awful. I'm also sure it was about three minutes long. Yeah. It wasn't long. So I kind of it didn't waste too much of my time, but yeah, the men's rumble like this is normally easily one of my favorite matches of the year. It it always works. It's always entertaining. Um, there were just no real surprises. I didn't know. But Shane was in it. I didn't know anyone's music anymore because the the awful WWE music these days. The buzz would go, and music would hit and be like. I don't know. The crowd didn't know. There was no pop for anyone. You've got Shane McMahon coming out, eliminating, I'm pretty sure, Kevin Owens and Matt Riddle. And didn't he eliminate Bad Bunny as well? So he oh. had like the monster run at wow. the end of the match. There was no real contender for who would win. It was then Brock, who wasn't advertised, who lost earlier to set up Brock versus Roman part 10. Um, so boring outcome. Uh, and this match goes on for an hour as well. Fair enough. All, all great uh, choices. I was just going to throw in as well the uh, from uh, GC the world on GCW the grab the brass ring ladder match, oh, yeah, which was yeah. just a was mess bad. as well. Oh, and I'm going to throw in Omos and Bobby Lashley from WrestleMania <laughs> Sunday. That that one was pretty bad here, but I had Evil and Ishii on my list, and I had the Men's Rumble down here as well. But McAfee and Vince McMahon took the cake for me, and that takes us to our final category: biggest story of 2022. I cannot imagine that we are going to have any different answers, but maybe we will. Um, Vince McMahon out of power, leaving. His uh, company, to me, in disgrace uh, this year, and one that I think it will very much paint his legacy 
I mean, it will be very interesting one day when the the full totality of Vince McMahon's impact on this industry is written and how much this year will define that for, for people if this will be overlooked. As we have seen, it's when somebody is part of your childhood or part of creating a portion of your childhood, you give those people a ton of leeway and people like to bury their heads in the sands about, you know, a lot of the bad stuff that goes on. And Vince McMahon, all of that came to roost this year. And I think it's an enormous part of his legacy. And uh, to me, it was embarrassing to me to see him after the scandal began and coming out and being treated like a hero from these audiences. Not not unanimous, but enough that it was the majority that supported him. And sadly, when you hear, um, you know, reports of Vince McMahon believing he could have rode this thing out and it would have died down. I can't say that he's wrong in the sense that if he were to walk out on Raw this Monday and you heard that theme song, that another arena would be cheering for for the individual, even though all these heinous allegations and multiple, multiple women and some of like patterns at these uh, tanning salons uh, that these stories have come out. I just think it's you talk about things that paint the industry in a bad light. I I don't know what could look worse than this guy that to many is the figure most associated with the industry and whatever his creation is um to me he just he left disgraced this year. It is the biggest story of the year and and you know maybe quite possibly beyond that. Um this is the guy who is responsible for at least, I think, creating for most of us our perception of what professional wrestling is. The fact that we might even be able to, you know, base our careers or at least, you know, um, make some money off of this thing is thanks in large part to this guy making it uh, as as big as and as popular and as mainstream as it has become. Um, but it's for that reason that I think he's been able to live you know, uh, in the shadows defensively for so long without that much, um, I think, happening to him. And this year, it's really just kind of come to a head uh, in a a big, big way. And um, And, and not a moral outrage, but rather we're a public company and he didn't uh, report like the funds that were not reported through the company. Like that was the downfall. Um, And that just tells you, like if this was a private company, this guy probably goes unchecked throughout totally. all of this. Yeah, uh, it, but it's it's a move that has incredible repercussions. Uh, you know, not just creatively for professional wrestling, but in terms of the the financial and the businesses of of, of both of these companies. Um, the the free market agency that that's available out there right now, I think, has completely changed because of, of Vince's exit. Uh, AEW really probably had their pick of the litter of anybody who who they wanted to choose from, and and that's not so much the case anymore. Um, in terms of, I think, just the direction of what professional wrestling is in the year to come i think will will change greatly thanks to you know uh this person no longer being in control so it's it's by far the biggest story of the year yeah biggest story in like wrestling history i mean we're all wrestling fans right how many friends or relatives were talking to you that week when that story was everywhere cnn cp24 whatever it is you watch like it was talking about this story and then they would catch up on the story time later i i had so many people like whoa that's crazy like he's gone like we like people who i had no i thought and had no idea about wrestling would be like, oh i know vince mcmahon you know stone cold back in the day hulk hogan all that it's like whoa he's gone that's that's crazy it felt like that day was like the day of reckoning like all of a sudden wrestling fans like went outside and were like breathing in the fresh air and everything was blue skies and just felt like we're like in a new 
chapter already. Of course, we're going to have some road bumps on the way, but it just felt like, whoa, okay. And that was the way that he got taken down. Again, as wrestling fans, we're like, hey, there's probably a lot more dirt on this guy, but it hasn't come to, to the light yet. But to see him go down for this, it's like he kind of, they, they kind of definitely forced him out where, like you said, John, you know, he would like, he, there's rumors he's trying to, he's trying to come back this year. It's like, you know, he would, he would try to stay as, as long as he could. We all thought he would do this till the day he died backstage in gorilla yelling at michael cole but like he's he's gone ding ding dong the witch is dead it's just been weird as well seeing like you now reflect on the whole year and it's like you figure he knew this was coming you've got shane leaving the company right after the rumble you've then got triple h like stepping down for a while you have vince getting Austin back, his biggest rival of all time, to give him one more stunner at WrestleMania, has one more match at WrestleMania, does the interview with Pat McAfee where he kind of lets slip my wife at the time. It's like all these things, Stephanie, like being ousted at one point. The Titus O'Neil thing? The Titus thing was disgusting, man. That was terrible. That That was was, awful. That was horrible. He comes out and did a just out of nowhere segment to kick off Raw that this is a place about smiles on faces. Oh, we don't yeah. talk about religion. Like you threw Titus O'Neil out yeah. there as cover while they're getting all of this publicity during the scandal. I that forgot was about awful. that. Awful. But that it, was so gross. You look back and it's like, oh, they knew, and he's doing like his and that greatest was, hits before. And leaving. for the timeline, that was Monday, and Friday is the announcement that he's stepping down. Yeah, wow. it, it was bizarre. He, at least he got the worst stunner of all time, possibly. <laughs> he somehow. Tr- like trumped the Donald Trump stunner with his own stunner. It's it was bad. All right, we have we have gone exceptionally long on this show, so we are going to move on. We to- we this is one where I feel like we should mention some of the other candidates that would have been here if not for this story mm. because this year was really crazy. You know, just I think starting from the beginning, Cody leaving AEW al- alone in many years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, somebody Huge. who was an executive uh, at, at this company seemed to have a job set for life. Um, deciding to leave and going back to the WWE the way he did, I thought that was a big story. Obviously, CM Punk in the brawl out. Uh, Naomi and Sasha Banks, you know, that in itself, I, you know, was, I think, a, a major story. Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor. Steve Austin returning. Uh, you know, the MJF Shibata stuff. wrestling Shibata, again. yeah. There's a lot of stuff that happened this year. Yeah. If, without Vince McMahon, I think CM Punk all out thing brawl out mm. thing would take the cake mm-hmm. we don't know all the details but that definitely is something that has everybody it kind of took away from Vince McMahon in the later pa- half of this year but yeah. still honestly it, it does uh, impact professional wrestling but just the way all of these like after that Netflix number came out in the summer and they were below projections and suddenly you saw the whole streaming business shift away from subscriber bo- growth to revenue that these streamers are providing and you've seen like a big clampdown like what's going on with warner brothers discovery that's that's more of a major story for next year as it relates to pro wrestling but there's a lot of stories um you know just in the overall media landscape that certainly affect pro wrestling the fact um cable view cable homes continues to decrease at, at a pretty significant rate and how that's going to figure into everything um you know it's it's certainly like it was a very, very pivotal year just in terms of what the landscape's going to be like a year or two from now as you go into these big negotiations. Uh, so there you have it. Those are the best and the worst categories of 2022. But we are going to cap off the show with our annual game of likely 
or unlikely. And we opened it up this year to you to send in scenarios. Uh, but before we do so, uh, we want to quickly recap last year's predictions and how everybody fared. So these were the scenarios that Davey put together last year. So number one, Sami Zayn stays with WWE. Myself, Davey, and Way all were correct on that one, that he would stay. Braden thought he was gone. Good thing he didn't. He had match of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, Danielson's, Brian Danielson wrestles a match in New Japan, in Japan itself. We were all wrong. We all thought that would happen. Kazuchika Okada wrestles in an AEW ring. Only Way got that one correct, that he would not. NXT 2.0 gets... What? Okada did. What are you talking about? Forbidden Door. Oh, he, Forbidden Door. I totally <laughs> on. blanked on that. So you're Crazy right. Year. Way was wrong. We were all right. <laughs> and you're right. Um, NXT 2.0 gets canceled by the USA Network, and uh, myself, Way, and Davey all thought it would stay on. Braden thought it would go back to the WWE Network. Technically, NXT 2.0 is no longer on the it's USA just NXT Network. again. So, okay. That's yeah, point. <laughs> that, that's semantics if there ever was one. Cain uh, Velasquez versus Junior Dos Santos oh, takes gosh. place as a oh, wrestling match. God. Another big story of the year was Cain Velasquez. Ooh, uh, yeah. Way and Davey were correct. They did not think... They would have a match. Myself and Braden, we thought it was a given. These two. Uh, this yeah. is when JDS was doing the stuff with AEW, so right. we thought it was a natural. Yeah. It was Could not. happened in Mexico. Yeah. CM Punk wins the AEW title. All of us, uh, all of us got this one uh, correct. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, Cody Rhodes turns heel. <laughs> all <laughs> of us AEW didn't fans, even yes. know what does it even mean for him to turn heel. This is at the point where it's the. The climax of like this crowd loves and hates this guy. Yeah. And uh, little did we know what was to happen. Roman Reigns holds the title beyond WrestleMania. Myself, uh, Davey and Braden all got it right with Davey adding he could even leave WrestleMania with both belts. So I think Davey gets the <laughs> extra go. point on that one. Um, Johnny Gargano signs with AEW. Um so I didn't even have the names here. I'm not sure who. Which uh, I've got, got this one. I Did think. you have that one? Uh, who who I got think, it? Uh, Braden likely, way likely. Uh, John raises the stakes and asks, "Will we see Gargano v. Almas and Chill in AEW?" <laughs> right. I don't think I gave an answer on this one. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so all likely. Io Shirai wins the Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Braden, Way, and I got that one right. That she would not. MJF wins the AWA title. All four of us said likely on that one. Wow. Um, that uh, AEW Rampage would move to uh, two hours. Way said uh, unlikely on that one. The rest of us figured it was a given. Rampage going to two hours. Yes. It is not yet. Thank God. Uh, and then Rampage moving nights. Um, I said unlikely on, on that one. Uh, WWE being up for sale. Um, we all, I think it was more so about them being sold, and we all said unlikely on that one, and were correct. GCW, which had an interesting year, would run a bigger venue than the Hammerstein Ballroom. We were all wrong on this one. Mm -hmm. I would say a year ago, it was the height of GCW going yeah. into that Hammerstein Ballroom show, and they did not run a bigger mm -hmm. building than that. Braun Breaker challenges for one of the main roster titles. Way, Braden, and myself were correct, saying he would not. Uh, we would get another barbed wire death match in AEW. All of us said unlikely uh, that they would try exploding barbed wire, exploding barbed yeah, yeah. wire death match. Um, AEW and Stardom would work together. Um, myself, Davey, and Way said unlikely on that. I guess you could, you know, they 
To, you could say, uh, yeah, like the kind of. It was more so a New Japan yeah. Stardom crossover. I wouldn't say AEW and Stardom. Yeah, the do, I, do I have time to go to the washroom? I yeah, go, 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 so go, go, go for it, guys. <laughs> As we're at uh, three hours in, keep going. And uh, then we had uh, Kyrie wrestles in 2022. All of us were correct and said she would. Whoa. Leo Rush retires. We all said unlikely. <laughs> we're well, all correct he... and incorrect. Though. Yeah, we're right. all right and also not. Uh, NXT runs a show outside of the Performance Center. I was the only one who said likely on that one. Everyone else thought they would stay inside. I mean, they they did one. They got back to house shows, though. But in terms of a show, it was just WrestleMania weekend, right? Yes, yeah, stand, stand and, and deliver. deliver. Everything else the, yeah. was... Even that Clash at the Castle weekend, which you thought would have been an easy one to take them over, but Bizarre. perhaps difficult going it, yeah. overseas. Um, certainly, I would expect a lot more now that they're going to Charlotte next month. And then the last one, which I think Braden, you just, or Davey threw in, Brian Cage in WWE. <laughs> I didn't know if this was a hot button issue at the time a year ago. Well, I think he just hadn't been on AEW yeah. for so long. That well, I mean, he wasn't on AEW too much this year no. either, um, but at least has a spot in Ring of Honor. Uh, Way and I said unlikely. Yeah. Uh, John, you're missing a very, very important likely unlikely that I hit everyone with last year. And likely unlikely that. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. would start his own wrestling company. Yeah, and everyone laughed. I don't think we gave answers, did we? We all well, answered except you. You refused, John. You refused like, to answer I will not this answer question. That question. I said, <laughs> I said, Freddie Prince Jr. and or Macaulay, or Macaulay Culkin, like, or both together, or just separate, that they would be starting an, their own wrestling company. And well, a few months ago, Freddie Prince Jr. said he's starting his own wrestling company. So does that constitute launching a company? You you can say a lot of things. He said he's he's been trying to get a wrestling show that is more like TV, like a soap opera with matches in between. Who, it. who wrestles for Freddie? Prince Jr.'s company. <sighs> what TV not. station is it on? <laughs> I, I mean, literally. Who, who, if you don't have, I, I'm sorry, I don't. He has not launched a wrestling company. I am starting a wrestling than, company. Than you two have launched but a wrestling he's, company. But he's, but you know, he said he was. So. We have more of a wrestling company yeah, than yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. with you, the BDE Championship. More money in the wrestling <laughs> industry yeah. than Freddie Prince Jr. is right yeah. now. Uh, he did return to acting. I think he's in another Christmas movie. Give but um, it's yeah, a, it's not that great. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, did watch that uh, Lindsay Lohan one on Christmas. It's Day. awful. It's that awful. I watched that one. We yeah. were getting really into it. Yeah. The Freddie Prince Jr. one is better than that. Than oh, whoa. Lindsay Lohan High one, praise. but that's low praise. Yeah, uh, I, I, I see him getting, you know, maybe some sort of deal with a TV. St- he, he's trying to make it like he, he wants like the the SAG involved or or what is it like the this this whole like TV screenwriting kind of long. Good luck, good luck. If he can pull that off, that that's great. Yeah. But that that's a lot of pie in the sky. Absolutely. Maybe him. the likely unlikely he just joins another wrestling company and helps them work we'll with see. their. He's, uh, I mean, he's he's a super dedicated. Buys WES. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know there if that's the, one. the remnants yeah. of it all. Okay, so those were our likely and unlikely scenarios from last year. And so let's let's go to our listener submissions and we'll play each one and uh, let's keep this concise and we'll just go likely, unlikely with each scenario. All right, the first one here comes to us from Alexander from Portland. Let's hear it. Hey, John. Hey, Way. MJF has been talking about this reign of terror. So likely, unlikely, MJF goes undefeated for the AEW World Championship all throughout 2023. Thanks. Okay. I'm going to say unlikely. But I think he is going to hold it for the the whole the whole crux of this is like going down to the wire as your champion that could run that could jump with it. Yeah, but I say unlikely. I think he holds it for a very long time, but unlikely. 
I think unlikely he'll drop it, but he will have it again by that 2024 contract. Okay. Time. So you think he loses it and wins I think it he'll have a fair run. He'll lose it at some point this year and then we'll win it again beginning of 2024. I feel like so much of this, like, doesn't it depend on his contractual status and whether or not he has actually signed, you know, an extension? I think they're going to very, they're going to play that fact. I yeah. think very close to the vest that you have the idea that he is, that the contract's up. And I think that's that's their whole. It, it could certainly be be a gamble unless they have some secret extension in in mind. I just more so feel like because you're talking about a roster that has so many people waiting, you know, to move up the card. So many people that I think could use that spotlight of a championship. Would Tony Khan want to d- invest a whole year on an MJF if he's just going to actually take off? Um, so it's for that reason that I'm going to say unlikely. Okay, let's go up next to Bruce Lord. Hey guys, it's Bruce Lord here, and I would love to know if you think it is likely or unlikely that Kota Ibushi will have a match within an AEW-branded ring in 2023. Thanks, and have a good new year, everybody. Thank you, Bruce. Likely. I'll say likely as well. Okay. um, As part of a New Japan wrestling show, or not? Just, let's say an AEW slash Forbidden Door show. Yeah, that's okay. Man, we don't know his health status. Golden do we? lovers, baby. We don't know what it's. I'm hopeful, and I, and for that reason, I'll say likely. Yeah. I'm going to say unlikely. I'd love to see it happen, but I don't know. It's just been so weird, and there's been barely any news I feel coming out about mm-hmm. what's going on with him. So I'm going to say unlikely. Corey from Long Island is up next. Hey, John. Hey, Way. Likely or unlikely? A wrestling promotion starts and exclusively, and not anywhere else streams their matches on TikTok. <laughs> oh. I I feel like I'd step in there and say it wouldn't be TikTok, but someone like a Netflix or something like if you were smart like have a a show that you produce that's just like one of your, you know, weekly drops that you could do, but I I, I don't think it's TikTok. TikTok, you know, you're doing short it's videos short form, or live streaming things. And what, TikTok what's the longest you can like you can get you minutes? can go long long and you can go live for long periods of times but they have so many like you can't swear in certain live things you can't do certain things in tiktok it's a, it's a great great tool for promotion yeah but not your promotion so i kind of tweak it to say like a streaming service but can a promotion out there say we only specialize in 10 second matches Okay. That could be likely, and I'm writing it's it down as a good three. idea. Way, <laughs> I'm saying unlikely. Yeah, unlikely. yeah, unlikely. I think it's a great question, but it's probably unlikely. Yeah. But that's a great idea for a promotion. I right like there. clever. Ten we have TikTok like though at Poison Ronapot. <laughs> Let's go up next to Dave from Wisconsin. Likely or unlikely, undisputed elite reunite on WWE main roster in 23. Wow. Is that possible? Without no. Adam Cole? With No, they're all like in like long contracts, so yeah, I don't think so. Cole, O'Reilly. Unlikely. unlikely. Where is the lie? Heavy unlikely. Unlikely. Unlikely then. Let's go up next to Dylan. Hey, John and Way. Is it likely or unlikely that Rhea Ripley will win either the Intercontinental Championship or United States Championship? Okay, I like that. These yeah. are good. Yeah. Yeah. These are all really, really going. Good. Yeah. It's uh, very different. Um, yeah. Unlikely. Likely, I see. I'd like that. 
I'm going to go likely. I'm going to say unlikely now because I think, um, you know, Paula Beck has been trying so hard to revamp these championships. I mean, you've got a guy like Gunther. Oh, true. That right. is really setting the bar so high, I think, for, for what you're expecting right now for an IC title level champion. If Rhea wins it, she's going to have to live up to that same expectation of a Seth Rollins or, you know, like somebody who can have those weekly defenses. Um, like if we're talking about the IC title from a year ago or two years yeah. ago, then yes, but not now. So I'm going to say unlikely. What about the tag titles? Like her and Dom could possibly win those. I'd give a likely to those for sure. But I'd say likely you're right about the IC title. So it's probably the US title. I right? just, I could see them doing the whole Eddie China thing. Yeah. And they both held the, was the True, European yeah. title with the IC title. Yeah. You've got the US on Austin Theory right now. You could totally do that. Get for sure. it off. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, fuck it. Likely. Let's go up next to Hansi. I know you expect nothing else from me, but um, <laughs> no, likely, unlikely, not only will you see Vince McMahon live on WWE television, but at some point you'll see Elon Musk on a WWE program. <laughs> Happy New Year's, guys. Peace out. Thank you, Hansi. Didn't even have to specify it was Hansi. Uh, I'm going to say unlikely. Yeah, I'd say double unlikely on, on both. Including Vince. Unlikely. What would he do? <laughs> what 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 possible scenario? People would, said that when he showed possible. up on SNL, so you know like just trying to run for president. Can any appearance like would would that qualify? Like a video message, you know, for like I don't know, like Twitter. a tribute to the troops or something, or a WrestleMania message, no. like would that qualify? Unlikely. Would him tweeting about WWE qualify? No. No, so I'm going to say unlikely. Unlikely, yeah. He's got other bigger things to worry about. I would say, <laughs> forty-four billion. Forty-four billion dollars for Twitter. Let's go up next to Brian. Happy New Year, John Way. It's Brian in New Jersey, where on Christmas Eve morning it's about nine degrees Fahrenheit. That's really cold. <laughs> and I got some likely unlikelies for you. AEW Rampage finds a new night in time. Ring of Honor finds a proper television home for their weekly show after starting on Honor Club. AEW adds another pay-per-view to their yearly schedule. Miro returns to WWE as Rusev. Roderick Strong goes to AEW. And finally, apologies if any of these have been asked already, WWE Hall of Famer Donald Trump goes to prison. <laughs> he sounded like a pilot there at the beginning. I felt like I just landed somewhere. The current temperature, the time is, and okay, let's try return. return. I've forgotten. Most okay, of so he ran rampage on a new night or time. Yes, likely. Really? Hmm. I'm going to say unlikely. I'm going to say unlikely for this year. Okay. Beyond 2000. Unlikely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he also said, Roger. Well, let's talk about that a bit okay. more, though, because if you're T- TNT, like. Do you want to put Rampage on a different night? Are you happy keeping it on a 10 o'clock Friday? Like, do you care that Rampage isn't necessarily performing maybe, I don't know, as as strong? Or do you just want something for 10 o'clock on a Friday better than whatever else you had there before? I think they're limited by options of, like, other sports commitments. And if you are of the belief that Tony Khan doesn't want to go against the NFL, like, that's you don't have a whole lot of options of where you can move it at that point. You're not moving it to Monday or Thursday. If it's the NFL conflict, um, t- Tuesdays, it, it, 
from their taping schedule too. Yeah, it would be work. very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they're looking to add a second night of tapings and those expenses. So I think Friday right. is what you're set at. Um, we'll see. Like Rampage has ended the year off like on at least a bit of an up uptick. Like the last week's show with the uh, the trios battle royal. Like it didn't well by like they were fifth on cable that's not i mean the, the, three, kings, the full name, uh, three kings full cash money well, maybe, maybe that it was the key to success but i'm gonna say unlikely that they moved th- this year i think the next television deal could very much move rampage but not this year coming up um okay we'll, we'll try that <laughs> so roh off honor club onto a proper um television deal i'm gonna say unlikely unlikely i I, maybe a few months ago i would have been more optimistic but i i'm gonna say unlikely given the current market unlikely yeah unlikely if it hasn't found a place by now i also don't think they would abandon honor club like after like you know getting people to sign on like within a year you know yeah true uh miro in (sighs) wwe what's his contract like like we don't know length yeah um, i'm gonna say unlikely i don't think he's getting released Okay, yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, unlikely I kind of want to see him work in AEW, so unlikely. They won't even let him be there to have a fight to get fired by <laughs> AEW at the moment. He's so like, you want him not to go there. there. I just want to see him do something, Yeah, uh, but unlikely. He also asked about Roderick Strong going to AEW. I'll say, I'll say likely. Likely. So likely for yeah. that? Likely. He's still in a wheelchair right now, so <laughs> kayfabe-wise. Why isn't he somebody who's been called up yet? So bizarre. There's, especially they just did the Jamie Noble retirement match. I would have figured that would have been a perfect time to do some sort of angle to bring him in. They're, they've been buddies and all that stuff. But yeah, I feel it'll, it'll be unlikely for me. I think unlikely. I think the shape of things a year ago, maybe. But just seeing how like Undisputed Era kind of did in AEW. Obviously, there were injuries, but it was just a bit like messy. Yeah. Um, but with Ring of Honor, he would fit in. How about Marina Shafir at the Diamond Mine? No. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> unlikely, please. You don't know me. We've got Ivy Nile. Yeah. Uh, okay, is that it? Oh, uh, Donald Trump likely going to jail. Yeah. Unlikely, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm going to say unlikely, too. Unlikely. Yeah. Let's go up next to Jake from the Windy City. Hey, guys. It's Jake from the Windy City here. Uh, my scenario for likely or unlikely for 2023 is stardom holds an event in the United States in 2023, likely or unlikely? I think 100% likely. What does that mean, though? Like, uh, would it be under a New Japan banner or just something advertises stardom? Is that what we're saying? A stardom specific show. Stardom. Yeah. yeah, likely. You think 100%? I think, uh, I won't say 100%, but I think very likely. Yeah, hmm. I'm going likely on that one. Yeah, I, I think likely. They've done it for WrestleMania weekend. Have they they have done yeah. it before, yeah. Like, so, we know they're going to do, like, the New Japan show in San Jose, and you're always going to have a IWGP women's match. But I, I do believe, like, they'd be crazy to me not to at least try a, a, a stardom-specific show. I think they do it really well in L.A. over Mania weekend or a SummerSlam weekend. It just seems like any time, like, the New Japan has kind of, like, or at least, like, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't the last stardom shows this side, on, on this side of, of, of the pond, weren't they in conjunction with, like, sort of like a, a thing that was already in place they like, did they, they did they did a show in uh the year in at metlife stadium they yeah. did a mania weekend yeah they were they did yeah. a but i'm pretty sure it was crossover stuff as well but yeah sure. i'm gonna say likely too i only hesitate because it seems like the you know iwgp u.s championship or sorry women's championship was specifically created to be able to showcase a portion of stardom uh in north america but a full show yeah sure why not Let's go up next to. We'll get a women of wrestling 
stardom forbidden, forbidden door. door. <laughs> yes. Have your rap character. BK rhythm. BK. We don't need to talk about BK rhythm. That's it. Let's go up next to Jason Keen. Hi guys. This is Jason from St. Augustine. I just wanted to ask you if you thought it would be likely or unlikely that Jade Cargill will lose her TBS championship this year. Thanks guys. I love I love Jade, but uh, I think I think 2023 would be a good time to take the title off her. So uh, likely, 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 likely as well. I think she's accomplished like what 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 she needed to, or maybe not completely, but she's like she needs some great matches. Maybe maybe that that's still the thing. I, for me, like my pick would be somebody like a Willow Nightingale. You know, absolutely. Hopefully. I can but, see Statlander on her return. She comes back. Yeah. Let's go up next to Jay from Colorado. Hey guys, Jay from Colorado here. Uh, how likely or unlikely is it that Vince McMahon would, uh, out of frustration or, or maybe pure boredom, decide to create a new venture? Uh, let's say maybe uh, probably not a, a pro wrestling, but maybe he decides to do his own slap fighting league, uh, extreme slap fighting, or maybe maybe we're going to get like extreme frisbee golf or something. Um, so that's my uh, likely unlikely for 2023. Just wanted to really quickly say too, happy holidays to everyone in the post wrestling community, and uh, to Way and John and everyone else. I love you. <laughs> I wasn't uh, expecting that thanks. at the end. Um, I'll say I'll say unlikely that Vince McMahon launches another venture. Vince has got to link up with <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> clearly, I mean, he's clearly got a lot of money. What's he going to do with all that money? Just and go all on that a time? beach, disappear. I, I I could imagine him like you know funding secretly some some sort of like you know business, but like as far as like being the public, he, face, he's still as as long as he is still like your your controlling shareholder in WWE. It's like, he's going to be limited as well. in in terms of like, especially wrestling ventures, like that's yeah. out of the question. Um, but he, he started the XFL, you know, he, he could start, you know, based on, you know, what his, um, you know, options are outside of wrestling. I, I really just don't, don't see yeah. um, him launching. I'm going to say likely. Okay, I'm contrarian. I'm saying unlikely. All right. Uh, maybe Vince will get into FS1. Or F1. Sorry, what did I say? FS1. As you can tell, I don't watch. Get into a cable network. Vince leading an F1 team, yes. Let's go up next to Nat. Will we see John Moxley and Rene Paquette spend screen time together on Dynamite and Rampage this year? Will Mox and Rene spend screen time together? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, Renee interviewed John Moxley yeah, Dynamite. They will be on screen together at some point. I have to imagine. Does he mean in a match? Will they be involved in any sort of angle? Yeah. Can we say? Okay. No, I, I don't think either. I I think they'd want to be separate. Yeah, and they've both been quite kind of vocal when they did do something in WWE about hating. They're that. great. They're a great couple to, to think back to Total Divas. But yeah, unlikely. I'm going to say no to. I mean, I I think you'll continue get to get reference. Um, I don't know. People will continue to insult Renee as a way to maybe get the mocks, but yeah. I don't think they'll really make it as concrete as we think. Let's go up next to Nick. Hi, guys. Nick from Blackpool here, and uh, happy holidays to everyone. What I want to know is, will the Blackpool Combat Club actually visit the town of Blackpool in 2023? Unlikely. How far Likely. is Blackpool from London? couple of hours. 
That's you're it. telling me the Blackpool Combat Club's still going to be going in they, May they, or they whatever? They don't want to go to Yeah, they don't want to go there. <laughs> you, Sorry. I mean, you, you know, you wouldn't take the opportunity if you're traveling there anyway to, to, to shoot some vignettes or something. Like, is it is this club still going to be a club by the time they go over there? So, yeah, I guess I'm I'll saying say likely. You're saying likely? Yeah, I'm <laughs> saying unlikely. They're going to go piss all over Blackpool because of Michael Mansuri is going to send them to Blackpool and we'll get a whole week of vignettes. I guess I'll say unlikely as well. <laughs> Let's go up next to oh, it's four and a half hours. My bad boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Then definitely. Might have to be a small <laughs> Let's go up next to. Ben can rent them a bus. <laughs> Robbie. Likely or unlikely. Kota Ibushi wrestles in an AEW ring. Oh, yeah, we should have screened these, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll change, change my answer yeah, so that I'm mind. right. Or at least once next time. All right. Let's go up next to our man, Neil. Hello, fellas. It's Neil Flanagan here. Likely or unlikely, Sami Zayn gets a run with either the WWE title or the Universal title in 2023, perhaps as an acknowledgement from Triple H or the other powers that be of his stellar performances in the past 12 months. Well, great question, Armand Neil. Uh, I'd say I really want it to happen, but something tells me it's unlikely. Sami Zayn, I will say um, I'm going to go unlikely. Yeah, I I really want it to happen, but there's something telling me it won't. Yeah, But I, I think that's the perfect end to this story. It would be. Yeah. Sammy over the rock winning this title. Let's change our picks, Davey. Let's change it. Likely. <laughs> uh, I think they will play with the audience's tease. Like you see, you, you hear the sadness in all of our voices, knowing that it's it's almost an impossibility. Yeah. And probably likely will never happen, but all of us want it to happen yeah. so much. They will play with that, you know, audience desire to create a wonderful match, I would hope, you know, between Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns on a big stage. But we know the type of person that I think WWE intends on, you know, uh, being the face of a company, being on. And there's just still too many obstacles for me to think that Sami Zayn is that type of person, especially following, you know, a two-year reign from Roman Reigns. So um, I, I'm going to say unlikely as well, and, <laughs> and it's one I hope uh, we all get proven on, uh, proven wrong wrong with next year let's go up next to phil like likely or unlikely kota abushi will have a match in aew in 2020 <laughs> everyone's Seriously? asking about kota abushi <laughs> sorry uh i'll ask a question then i have a likely or unlikely for you guys uh will cm punk wrestle in wwe in 2023 unlikely unlikely i'm gonna say unlikely Will he wrestle in AEW in 2023? <laughs> Will he just wrestle in 2023? I'm going to say likely. Likely? Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm unlikely on WWE, likely in AEW. Unlikely. Yeah. I don't think we're singing. Yeah, I'll go unlikely. Uh, it's a little early between before well, WrestleMania. What do you say? Oh, I say likely for AEW. Yeah, yeah. Are we are we done? No, we're not. Oh, we okay, my bad. Two. It's okay. This one comes to us from Tom, and it's probably about Kota Ibushi. <laughs> likely or unlikely? AW will win your best promotion award at the end of 2023. Oh, okay. Likely. Likely. Yeah, likely. Unless this Freddie Prince Jr. promotion gets off and it's amazing. Unless WES makes a comeback, I I would say. I'm going to say likely as well. I think (laughs) think they still like philosophically cater, I think, more towards our taste as Mm -hmm. wrestling fans. So I'm going to say likely. And our last one comes to us from 
Tane Stevenson. Hey, Post Wrestling, it's Tane from Scotland. My likely or unlikely question is, will John Pollock eat cereal in 2023? <laughs> <laughs> this one, did you, did you screen this one? Uh, I went through them earlier, yes. <laughs> unlikely. Heavy you screened unlikely. them all? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't screen them all, no. I did not. <laughs> if you did the Kota Ibushi stuff, that would have been hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> unlikely or unlikely. unlikely. I'm clearly, what John's yeah, he clearly likes, doesn't like to yeah, I try it. Yeah, uh, I don't think he will. Uh, or, or Chips. Is there a scenario where, where it could happen? No, no, there's not. So then I guess we know the not answer. Not just a little. Uh, CM Punk wrestling on Crown Jewel <laughs> is more likely. Okay. <laughs> uh, any others, Braden? Yeah. Uh, John Cena uh, will wrestle at WrestleMania, likely or unlikely? Likely. likely. This WrestleMania? Yeah. I had, mm. I had it written down as will John Cena face Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania this year, likely or unlikely. But yeah, you I'm, can pick which one you like. Um, is it two nights this year? Yeah. Okay, I'll say likely. Yeah. Okay. To the yeah. match or just Cena wrestling? Cena Cena wrestling. Okay. Yeah. 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 I say likely. I said uh, yeah, likely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ric Flair wrestles his last match <laughs> again. Jeez. Likely That's a good one. or unlikely. <laughs> oh man, I didn't even see that the 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 one this year. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't make your list. Not. It could have made the list. Um, I'm going to say unlikely. I don't unlikely. I guess I'll go unlikely. I'm going to say likely. He's probably, we're recording this early uh, early in the year, but like the rumble's around the corner, so you never know. He could wrestle again. He but, won't wrestle for the WWE. Right. Yeah, fair um, enough. I'll say that. Uh, I have uh, another one that's more specific to NXT because lately there has been a tag team that have definitely caught my attention. Uh, likely, unlikely, Malik Blade and Idris Anofe become NXT Tag Team Champions in 2023. Sure, in 2023, yeah. NXT, yeah, yeah. I'll say likely for that. Yeah, likely for sure. They've been they've been killing it. Last year, last year, I think we were talking about Logan Paul. I know this year, I'd, I'd put likely or likely he wins the world title, but no. But likely or unlikely, Jake Paul has a match. Jake Paul has a match. Likely the Pauls against the Usos. Yeah, maybe likely. I feel like we still have another year left in the Jake Paul like boxing yeah, okay. run. Fair so enough. maybe not quite next year, but eventually for sure. Yeah. What about? I'll go unlikely, but I think at some point there will be a time to do. I mean, they've already you know introduced them on TV, so I think that's yeah. certainly something to do for a Saudi Arabia card. I could definitely see yeah. it happening at some point when they're ready to. Paddy the Batty shows up on AEW TV. Oh, mm. unlikely. Also, like likely. Why not? Yeah, yeah I'm gonna say you have the barstool connection there. I can see enough. that happening. How about Dana White showing up on AEW TV? Please, no. The promote slap. Fight? Unlikely. Oh, it's is it the same? Yeah, it's right after. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, likely. I'm gonna say unlikely. I don't think he appears on the show. I could see you know promotion within the body, but not Dana White physically there. I think he could appear. I They've already could... filmed the commercials with him, basically saying. Like, I could see him doing commentary. Yeah, you know, fair for for, yeah. for an Orange Cassidy match or something like that. We get our first Triple H mass release, as in eight or more talent released in a day. Unlikely. Like interesting. I'm going to say likely because I feel like they're they're kind of inevitable, and I think in, inevitably the blame will be uh, shoved onto Nick Khan from the talent and people. And the talent will be like, "Oh, Hunter loved me, but Nick Khan is an asshole." Yeah. Why, why would you say unlikely? I'm curious. Uh, because I think it's a real detriment to their perception of a company that I think wants to get away with the idea that we sign these people and we don't honor our contracts to the end. Um, that you know that was the prior regime, and this one. Hunter is the good cop bringing everybody back. So you believe they'll let contracts lapse and, and, and I like, can see contracts ending. 
yeah, that, but, but releasing people outright, I think I'm sure there will be cuts here and there. Uh, I mean, they pretty much said as much at NXT, the cycle is going to be a lot quicker and that's to me a different thing. Um, but in terms of like the big mass releases, like I do think that's going to be, um, you know, sometime in the future, but I really see them avoiding that. I, I wouldn't see all these release or rehirings coming if they felt like there would be that need. Cause I think it, it paints Paul Levesque really badly perception wise to the talent that he is trying to present himself with. NXT Europe has its first event. NXT Europe. Likely. I didn't realize that was still happening, but sure. What class of, like, like what a tournament? What does that even mean? Just NXT Europe? Like, yeah, like branded UK tournament or something, some okay. sort of thing on also like or whatever. Likely. 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 I'm going to say unlikely. I don't think that thing gets started. Leo Rush retires. <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> like, he had a great, uh, unlikely. He had a great tag league. I well, unlikely. I hope it's unlikely. Okay. So. <laughs> Uh, Takeshita becomes TNT champion. Oh, Ooh, I like that one. Likely. Yeah, likely. he's been amazing. Likely, likely. Oh, I'm gonna say unlikely. Like, uh, like he's he's had a spot. People are thinking he should be slotted in like different tag teams or like stables or something along those lines. That would yeah. be great too. Uh, Jeff Hardy wrestles in AEW. Likely, yeah. likely, likely. I don't know. That's tough too, man. Like you're talking about. Hmm. Uh, you know, a time when AEW is trying to like re- re- recoup their their sort of like perception of, of like a, a, a harmonious locker room with with everybody that's just kind of on the same page, and I just no, um, none of the talent are going to have an issue with with Jeff Hardy. It's a different thing. I understand. I, I suppose it's just more like the, the man of second chances that like that that man has had throughout his career, and, and 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 when you're talking about a roster of so many guys that are looking for just even their first chance, um, but I'll say likely, sure. Sasha Banks returns to WWE after her New Japan stuff. Unlikely. Unlikely. I'll say for the year, unlikely. Yeah, this year, unlikely. What about... I'm going to say likely. What about Naomi joining the bloodline? Likely. Yeah, if she comes back, I think that's where you'd put her. Yeah. I'll say likely. Yeah. Unlikely. Um. And the A-H-H-F-O-L-F-I-A-F-I, whatever they Lo-fi, call themselves, A-F-I. are still a thing by the end of next oh, year. Thank, <laughs> unlikely, please. Yeah. But, like, it's never going to go away. Unlikely. Yeah. This is it. I hope. I hope unlikely. Likely. Still longer than Jericho feeds. Yeah. Okay. A few, a, few, a few that I jotted down here. I'll, I'll keep these quick. I'm okay. going to cut some of them down. WWE purchases a Japanese promotion. Purchases? Oh. Damn, unlikely. Unlikely. I, uh, like, what? What would be in it DDT. for them? I mean, they they've said like they they want to have a headquarters. What do you know strategy? that we don't know, John? Yeah. <laughs> um. First, uh, I'm gonna say unlikely, but I'm curious to know what you, which promotion you think would be up for grabs that would fit their portfolio. I mean, I don't think they're gonna get one of the big ones that are attached to a major company. But like, say say an All Japan, which is still like an independent company. Like, could they buy an All Japan? Like that, that to me would be the ceiling of what you could buy. Yeah. And again, though, buying it versus like just starting something off the ground yeah, on your own. I feel like they not the that. easiest country to start from scratch if you're an so. American company. Hmm. Unlikely for me. Unlikely. Okay. Um, let's see here. Um, CM Punk does a public interview. Likely, please. Hmm. He should. Likely. Yeah. Dax's podcast. Oh, man. That's tough. Just contractually. Um, unlikely. I'll say, I'll say likely. 
William Regal appears on screen in WWE. <laughs> Absolutely likely. I think it's a likely. This, I think, can, this can be some some scuffle where he's one of the agents. Okay? Come war games, apart, you know he's going to You be know there. he's doing the war games bit. But yeah, so you also don't have faith this deal. The Charlie Dempsey yeah, stuff. Charlie. Dulac as well. Yeah. yeah. Combat club. I think they're going to call the bluff, and I'm going to say likely. Um, New Japan runs two or more events at the Tokyo Dome. So beyond January 4th, there's at least one more. Um, let, let's say beyond January 4th, there's at least one more card at the Tokyo Dome this year. Likely. They've been doing it a few times, haven't they, recently? Didn't they have like a no. summer Tokyo Dome? Or 2020, they did like a summer one, as I recall. I, I can't remember. Was it Tokyo? The pandemic's no. a blur. It wasn't. It was somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'll say likely. I mean, like thinking of what's there to come, yeah, likely. I'm going to sure, say I'll go, I'll go likely. Yeah. I'll say unlikely. I mean, I think they, they, they might continue. But to you mean stadiums. like another stadium show is probably yeah, likely. That's, yeah. that's possible. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Last, last couple here. Um, waiting returns to Poison Rana for a review of Road Trip. <laughs> road trip is not nearly as as no. messed up as freddy got fingered but i mean it's i haven't seen that in, in a long long time it's like the natural extension wow, i haven't watched yeah. that one in a long time well, well it's we'll think about it we still need that cable guy review right way hey man you you flash the signal on there so sure i'll say likely uh keiji muto delivers a moonsault <laughs> likely, likely. likely. at the rumble it's going to be the scene out of The Wrestler. Like, it, yeah. the movie ends with him. I'm going likely, because I don't think the man can help himself, oh despite medical concerns. What did his last one look like? Beautiful. Like, was it passable? <laughs> I mean, it was like... <laughs> his doctors told him, don't ever do this again. We have fixed your knee to the best we can. <laughs> I do remember him doing that, like, handspring elbow. Thing, like, the cartwheel yeah. elbow in the corner, which just looked atrocious. I'm going to say likely. Likely, uh, of course. And the last one, the question on everyone's mind, Davey Portman attends Grand Slam. <laughs> I'm going unlikely. Third in a row. Yeah, I think unlikely next year. I'll probably go to New York for someone else. I'm going to say likely that he will. Um, likely. likely. Does he attend the entire show? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> likely, likely. Davey Portman attends an ADB rampage. Yeah, ask if we'll ever go to a rampage again and we'll tell you absolutely not. <laughs> You will leave before. <laughs> yeah, rampage. we would purposely leave. Yeah, twelve thirty six a.m. What a rampage! This, this time next year could be the best show. Could be the I, most. We, I hope show. it is. Like I really do, but no. All right, those <laughs> that is your likely unlikely list for two thousand and twenty three. We will revisit them a year from now, and so ends the best and worst of two thousand and twenty two. Uh, guys, tell everybody what is going on on Poison Rana. Yeah, hey, Poison Rana. This first week of January. This <laughs> this first week is is great. We're going to be doing a show. We do a show every week for free on our free feed, poisonrana.ca, for all that stuff. Every Sunday, we tend to go live on YouTube and talk about all the different topics of wrestling. So we'll be covering Wrestle Kingdom and all that stuff going forward. But we do up next every Tuesday on the post-wrestling YouTube and podcast feed. So check us out covering NXT. Every week, we do the Vengeance Day post-show and everything going forward. But you want to hear more, patreon.com slash poisonrana for only five bucks. Friends tier, you get access to almost 500 podcasts that we've done, including the Freddy Got Fingered with Way, Home Alone 1 and 2 with John. We do a lot. We've got our best match ever coming up of uh, 2022. uh, Two-parter, talking about the top 10 matches of the year. Uh, We're going to do a Japanese-themed January as well. Japanuary. Yeah, that's right. Uh, We'll be doing a best match ever with WH of um, Keiji Mudo because it's uh, his retirement tour. Um, And, yeah, we're going to throw some Japanese movies in there. 
think Battle Royale. Yeah, yeah. so uh, all of that on the Patreon. Yeah, uh, so go check it out. And uh, we we love podcasting and love being a part and, and being invited here by you to the, the the best that ever do it. It's been a, a hell of a year. The best moments of my year was the post five year thing, meeting up with all you guys and the listeners and stuff. It was fantastic. That moment we were all on the stage throwing them up. Yeah, we the ones. <laughs> yeah, was so wonderful. Iconic. It's yes. been it's been uh, it's been a hell of a year. So uh, yeah, looking really forward has. to the next one. And we can't do it without all our listeners and all that stuff. So just the love is real. So thank you guys. And uh, we will let people know that uh, later this week, Wayne and I will be back Wednesday for a double header. We are going to have a Wrestle Kingdom review on postwrestlingcafe.com and then back for Dynamite that night. And then Thursday, WH will join me for a free show as we go through New Year Dash. Uh, so all of that can be found at postwrestling.com. Any closing words away to cap off 2022? Um, you know, um, this is all on you. Uh, just uh, take care of yourselves and each other. And that will be our body break. Springer, actually. Oh, yeah, you're right. That wasn't. I was thinking, what, keep fit and have fun. Yeah. That's body break. Now the show's over. <laughs>